This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Rich Lepore, and I am here with the full crew, including... Kevin Shaver. Jordan Alsaker. And we are gathered here today to talk about something very important, something that is breaking records all over the world. Is, is it released worldwide yet? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not in China yet. Okay. Wow, you are tuned in. Okay. Hey, I expect nothing less. Um, of course, we are talking about Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War, which... I believe, as of yesterday, I heard that it is now the top-grossing first weekend of any movie in history. Is that right? Yes. That's Domestically crazy. and worldwide. That is it, crazy. It beat Force Awakens. That's, 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 I, I mean, I guess it's just considering that, um, you know, Avengers Infinity War and the MCU in general established the very idea that that star wars is now using to build their whole universe this whole idea of a shared universe so i i guess it's justice that avengers can still pull in the largest crowd and, and take back the throne but um wow what a just a phenomenon um this this movie is um it's also a movie that um is is i wouldn't say divisive i'm not hearing a lot of negativity what i am seeing is a lot of people devastated by the ending um and that for good reason right the, yeah. There will be spoilers in this, not surprisingly. Right, right. Do not listen if you haven't seen it, although if you live in the U.S. or really anywhere but China at this point, you probably have seen it, um, especially if you're somebody who will listen to this podcast. So, um, that said, we will go into full spoilers um, about the ending and everything else. Um, we we have Jordan here today uh, to, to give us a nice perspective. Jordan, you just did a complete rewatch of the entire MCU, is that right? Yes. So it's all fresh in your mind? Uh, yeah, mostly. I think we started back in February, so it's you know been a good bit on some of them. But yeah, pretty <laughs> well, pretty recent. Well, I watched the original uh, Iron Man when it came out, so I think you got a little uh, leg up on that one. <laughs> you really, you really not seen it that long? I don't think so. I don't think really? so. Really, you haven't rewatched it in ten years? Iron it's Man, a good no. movie. It Dude. is a good movie. It is a good movie. Wow. I think I've seen little bits. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, no, I'm surprised. You haven't rewatched it, like, once in ten years? No, no, not really. It's, um, it's literally on TV, like, every day. I know, I thought, yeah. <laughs> well, I have a lot of entertainment options, man. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, no, I don't I don't really go back and watch the MCU movies almost ever. I think I've seen Avengers 1 twice. I think I've wow. seen Guardians one and a half times. Um, but pretty much I just watched the, uh, the MCU stuff once, um, generally speaking. There are a couple movies that I would go back and watch, like Doctor Strange and Ragnarok I think I'd go back to. I don't know what the, my mileage would be like. Um, I'd go back to well, Wonder Woman, not that that's MCU, but... Yeah, well, I mean, fair enough. Like, sometimes, you know, first viewing is a very different experience, and a lot of people, that's all they need for a lot of the movies, so, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, you know, superhero movies for me, and, and I, I like that I bring this perspective to the conversation. Superhero movies, to me, are are very love-hate, you know? I, I love when they're done really well. I love when they bring in novel ideas. I love talking with you guys and Tim, etc., about all of the lore and the continuity and how it compares to the comics and predictions for the future. I find all of that stuff thrilling and exciting and really fun to talk about. At the same time, about the third quarter of pretty much any of the, the blockbuster MCU films, when the when the it's like the the action scene sort of either the second to last action scene or in the case of this movie it's a protracted action scene that goes on for about an hour 
hour. Um, I, that third quarter, I always get a, a little fatigue um, every time. I know that's crazy because a lot of people are completely exhilarated at that point. Um, but for me, it's it's I don't know the 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 bombastic action. Anyway, so I, I have a little bit of a different perspective on it. But but don't let that scare anybody off because we have two people here who love the shit out of some MCU movies, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. I did. I didn't do a full rewatch, but I rewatch like leading up to Infinity War. I rewatched. Let's see, Civil War, which I've seen about four or five times. Wow. Uh, um, Doctor Strange, Guardians Two, uh, Captain America, several others, and then Iron Man. I've and Avengers. I've seen so many times that I could recite them. So I don't nice. really need to. And then, but I've seen Infinity War twice now, and then, um, which is pretty difficult. Like usually, what they're like really good MC movies. I see at least twice in theaters well, within the week. Not to mention, uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, the movie came out officially on Friday, but sort of on Thursday. So that means you saw it, and you saw it for the second time yesterday. So you saw it twice in three days, which I guess is not completely uncommon. Um, that probably adds to for me. Uh, that's not uncommon at all. <laughs> yeah, that probably adds to why the movie's doing so well. Repeat viewings are uh, pretty much guaranteed for a lot of people. I would guess. Are you going to go again, yeah. uh, Jordan? I, I would like to. Um, I think the other interesting note to make is that uh, another thing that happened is that this movie did give Black Panther a bump. It re-entered the top five this weekend with, I think it got another five million this weekend. That's incredibly interesting That's considering cool. that, oh, so I, when, when we were at the theater seeing it, I looked outside and I saw that the poster for Black Panther was like now playing. And I guess I should, I, I, that shouldn't surprise me, but at the same time, we live in a world now where movies last two weeks at the theaters. Now granted, yeah. not movies like Black Panther. Um, <laughs> yeah, not movies that shattered uh, records and hold top box office spot for five no. weeks in a row. No, but but still, it, it's just amazing that, I don't know, historically, have there ever been two concurrent MCU films running at the same time for first run yeah i mean yeah. Now, most of them are closer together but i mean they've had frequent movies in may and july so i mean i, I think thor and captain america one did it interesting yeah it's and spider-man and guardians 2 were pretty close to each other too okay all right interesting i mean this will still be in the theaters when ant-man and the wasp comes out in a few right. months right what uh what, what's the release on that one uh july 6th Interesting. So yeah, there were some interesting omissions from this movie too. So yeah, Ant Man was one of those, and and then also Hawkeye. I think there's been much ado about that. Um, so I uh, think he's gonna show up in Ant Man, but uh, I don't know. That's do you? My... Do you? Because it's a Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp is taking place right after Civil War, before the events of, of Infinity War. So it has time to explain what the two of them are up to. That's interesting. I could definitely see that. I mean, they're certainly not shy uh, from like doing like interesting team up so thor ragnarok yeah. being a good example like that's a thor and hulk movie you know yeah mm -hmm. um, so they they definitely do those kind of little uh, uh duos okay cool so uh let's talk about how we're going to do this so first up we are going to talk about a couple things we've been watching one or so each um just you know sort of whatever's top of mind as, uh, as much as i hate that expression um and uh and then um, we're going to also talk about another big deal that just happened um, exactly one week ago today, and that is that Westworld Season 2 premiered. Um, we're not going to go super in-depth on it, but we'll talk maybe five or ten minutes just about our overall thoughts and impressions. Um, try not to be too spoilery because there are some people who haven't seen Season 1 yet. Um, Jordan. Seen half of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, so I hear. Um, but anyway, it's really interesting. It's getting a lot more expansive as a show, um, opening up new ground. Um, I, I have some mixed thoughts on it. Um, I, how, how are your thoughts on that, um, Kevin? I mean, we're not going to talk fully right now, but... Boy, 
Um, I liked I was I liked the premiere. I'm interested in seeing where it'll go. Obviously, cool. it has a very different feel than the and than the first season based yeah. on what happens at the end of the first season. Um, yeah. but I yeah, I'm definitely interested, and in, cool. I think it's still it will explore some of the mythology and all that. Cool. Um, that you know intrigued me in the first place. Excellent. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, in the meantime, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff we've been watching slash reading. Um, slash maybe other things. So um, without any further ado, Kevin, you got one ready? Okay. Um, so this is an obscure pick because um, as Rich and Jordan know, I've been like telling them how great uh, the new Alamo Drafthouse cinema is in Raleigh, North Carolina. He will which, not uh, stop talking about it. I won't because it's like a film lover's haven. Um, if you yeah, like some of you out there might know, uh, this is a movie theater that started in Texas and has since expanded into other states. And so in Raleigh, we just got one. Um, and basically it's like a bar slash restaurant slash movie theater slash video rental place. And they keep like 30,000 movies there, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, VHSs, and all these cult classics that no one's heard of and that you can't find anywhere else. So um, when I the first movie I rented there was um, it's Peter Jackson's first movie he ever did um, in 1987 called Bad Taste, which I had heard about and had been seeking out for years and could never find it. Um, it probably is online somewhere, but I, for, I a movie like that I wanted to get a copy of um, to watch. And so and yeah, it was fascinating watching because it's like one of those like really low budget horror sci-fi comedy mashups that um, is basically just like these aliens kind of invading um, New Zealand and um, it's just a lot, I mean there's not a ton of dialogue and it's more just kind of Peter Jackson experimenting um, as a filmmaker and you can see all the tenets of his style uh, early on um, it ends with a big spectacle fight and there's a scene in space and even with an extremely low budget you can see kind of like the beginnings of him and what led him to do, you know, Lord of the Rings and King Kong and all that. Wow. Uh, so wow. it was fast, but yeah, but he wrote, directed, um, co-starred in it, produced all that. I mean, it was a very small crew. Um, and yeah, I mean, the aliens look terribly cheesy and everything, but even then it's fascinating to watch. So, um, really? yeah, I'll probably be having like a lot of really obscure picks over the next few months. Cause you can rent movies for free there. And like, wait, I what? And, what do you mean rent yeah. movies for free? Yeah, you can like you get you get a membership there. You can rent up to two at a time for free, and anything more than that, you only have to pay a few bucks. How much is uh, a membership? You did nothing. You get, it's free to join, and there's like yeah, it, I'm telling you, it's like a haven for me and Wait, for every. What's the business there. model? Well, they get they make everything through uh, like the movies and then the restaurant and everything. Their food is a little pricey, but like it's well worth it. And like I said, when you're renting. Like I said, if you rent more than two at a time, you still have to pay for that. I um, see, and you give but, them all your info so you don't just like yeah. rent stuff and disappear with it. Right, right. No, and that's the thing. Yeah, people aren't, and no one there is just gonna like just focus on the freebies. You're gonna like as soon as you come in there, you're gonna want to spend hours there, eat there, watch movies there. So Interesting. It, yeah. How yeah. are the theaters themselves? They're fantastic. It's like a it. It's like kind of small-ish, but not super. Is it silver spotty? Uh, Oh, no, well, Silver Spot's, like, still big stadium seating, okay. so, like, um, this one, they're, like, smaller, um, but really comfortable seats, and, like, for me, for handicap scenes, they just take out a seat so I can sit anywhere in there, um, wow. kind of choose it, but it's fantastic. That's so. pretty cool, too. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's unique. Um, but uh, they so have all these horror, they, they have a whole category of movies there 
for Japanese science fiction. So, like, they have everything. Like, I mean, any kind of, like, obscure... And I love the obscure, cheesy stuff. So, uh, I know not everyone's into that, but I could watch that stuff all day. So... On the flip side of great, spacious, beautiful, wonderful theaters, I uh, got my tickets for Avengers on, like, Monday uh, for the Thursday night. And um, we, uh, considering times we had to fit in and stuff, uh, I ended up buying tickets at a non-reserved theater seating place. And, oh, my God, it was hell. Yeah. Uh, Like, (laughs) I was hating life. Not just because they weren't reserved seats, but because, oh, my God, I was packed in like a sardine. Like, it's like there's armrests between seats that aren't big enough for one person, and there's two people. (laughs) And this is a geek movie, so geeks sometimes are big. And so, like, there's just no room for us in this place. Um, it, It was unbelievable. I mean, it was packed in like sardines. Um, and, and, you know, literally I ended up like leaning forward with my arms crossed, like half of the movie. You guys know the feeling, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a bad, uh, it's a bad scene. But anyway, didn't take too much away from the enjoyment of the movie, but man, I'm going to be buying my tickets way in advance from now on. Like that was it. Last straw. I'm done. Nice. Um, So nice theaters are very important. That's why I mentioned yeah. Silver Spot. It's a really great theater we have in Chapel Hill. There's another one somewhere else too, but I mean, it's like super luxo and you know, nice. So nice. Um, but and- yeah, so bad taste for me. And then um, I just picked up from their uh, Wes Craven Swamp Thing, which is a he made a Swamp Thing movie back in the seventies. I've always wanted to see that. Man, so, really? Wow. So I mean, hey, I'm glad we have a resident film buff. Like, I'm yep. really glad we do. Because, man, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing is, like, the last thing I ever want to see. But I wouldn't <laughs> mind hearing you talk about it, potentially. So, okay, Interesting. Cool. Interesting. I will on the next um, one. All right, Jordan, what you got? Um, yeah, this is tough. Uh, You've been watching. What's interesting? I mean, I've been watching a lot of Marvel. <laughs> Especially in the yes, past few weeks, because we were a little behind. So, yes, I mean, I we know. watched a lot. All right. Um, what are you reading? Think. Uh, try, well... I guess the the biggest thing I've been doing other than, than that is I've been uh, – oh, I know something I read. Took, God, I, uh, yeah, again, I've just been kind of burned out. I caught up on all of Paper Girls. Oh, oh awesome. I have yeah. that, I have that uh, um, first season trade uh, on my shelf, like ready to read. So get me pumped that's for like, it. And that's the first two volumes, so yeah. I got him that for Christmas, so it's like – it's the first ten it's issues. Beautiful. Of it's beautiful. Okay, yeah. so get me pumped. Where are you in it? Uh, well, I'm four arcs deep. Uh, the you know that that series keeps a very strict structure of every five issues is set in a time period and then they time travel somewhere else basically. Oh, okay. Um, or at least so far that could change, but it's I mean, been four, four arcs is, is pretty conclusive evidence. Uh, yeah, but it's gone, you know. There was the I, I reread the first arc because I read it when it, that trade first yeah. came out, but obviously. Three trades later is is a bit to go, uh, and you know it's a very um, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, it it feels different for Brian K. Vaughn just because it feels very decompressed in in an interesting way. Just because of the uh, a lot happens in five issues in a time period, but the characters are developing very slowly, and it still feels like in series it's maybe been two or three days tops. Uh, that all of this stuff yeah, happened. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, even as they're, you know, time traveling and weird stuff's happening and new concepts are getting introduced. Uh, but the relationships are developing. It's do- done a good job of giving each of the four main characters a bit of spotlight. Um, and do you have a favorite arc so far? 
I'd still say the second is my favorite so far, but I, I reread the first one recently too. Uh, I really liked the fourth arc. Yeah, um, yeah. Are you set are up you all a lot caught of up stuff. to uh, Kevin? I'm um, I'm getting caught up on the fourth arc because I get it in issue, so I need to go back. But uh, but I've started the fourth arc. Okay, cool. Sorry, sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. No, but uh, it does interesting things. I mean, it, it keeps doing interesting things with time travel. Is some expected, some unexpected. Um, and you know, it just seems like Brian K. Vaughn enjoying telling a time travel story. Which is fun and, you know, unexpected from – because I, I, I just remember when it was announced and it, there was very little info on it. And then, you know, it's developed pretty naturally from that. Um, it's, you know, it's Brian K. Vaughn, so I'm – when things get dark, I'm not surprised. I don't expect a happy ending whenever oh, it does wrap yeah, up. I know, man. I mean, he's uh, the king of that. And cliffhangers, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah every yeah, issue sure. ends on some kind of cliffhanger. The arcs end on pretty solid cliffhangers as well, which, yeah. you know, it, it basically sets up what the next time period's going to be. Uh, the trades are all one long connected image, which I always enjoy, although not an easy one to see because it's like both the front and back cover. Still very cool. Yeah. Um, That's saying Cliff Chang's art in that is just, I could look at all that. Yeah, it's a great team. Um, I've been... Really enjoying that series. I also um, need to catch up on Saga, but I'm still just waiting on the last, the third hardcover, whenever that finally drops. I still don't know how you wait that long for those. They are gorgeous. Like the I mean, you just make a decision is, is how you do it. I mean, there's a lot yeah. to read. And whenever I used to hound Jordan about this kind of stuff, like how do you wait, how do you wait, on, you know, different things. Sure, um, sure. And, and what, what your answer would always be, Jordan, in my, if I remember correctly, was... Um, there's plenty of stuff to read until then, you know? Yeah, oh, that's fair. Um, and, and then once it comes, he gets the big chunk that he wants to, like, really dive into and enjoy. Is that about accurate? Yeah, and I mean, comics are a little different than TV and film. It's a smaller medium, and, you know, things are less pervasive. I mean, even when even, – even Saga, which is hugely successful, it's not like it, it permeates Twitter and social media all the time so that yeah. you can't avoid it, like Westworld or something. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, um, but it is a choice. I mean, I, I like those hardcovers. I, because I started reading it in issues, I just didn't get the trades. And then I decided to get the hardcovers. I, I almost considered switching to hardcover for paper girls, except that it was <laughs> cheaper to just buy the rest of the trades than it was to, you know, upgrade the one hardcover with the first 10 issues. So yeah. I did that. Yeah. Um, Descender is a book that I think would be gorgeous in yes. hardcover, especially because of how decompressed that storytelling is. But I How wanted to know what happened that? right away. Uh, five volumes. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. I read the first couple, but yeah. Is that I fantastic? It. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a great series. I would recommend the hardcover. I'm really surprised you that. haven't picked that one up yet, Rich, because that's like right up your alley. I have it. I or have so it. It's on, uh, it's on that image collection we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One and two, no, anyways. Yeah. Why is that so right up my alley? I mean, it's like AI, very humanistic story. Um, Jeff Lemire is just phenomenal interesting coins are like i don't know it just has you like saga yes it's like i mean it's kind of universally yeah everybody 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 likes star wars and everybody likes right right but even more like with you it like uh i'd say descender has more of the kind of sci-fi you like excellent Excellent. i love both so i'll read both yeah 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 especially for you that's way up your alley does it have twists and turns yeah excellent excellent not to be predictable or anything okay no, it's um, <laughs> but um, anything else jordan um no major but yeah a lot of uh outside i mean i've read a good bit of dc rebirth stuff um 
and just been catching up on image things. Uh, like I said, you know, Descender, Paper Girls, uh, Wicked and Divine. I got Redlands last weekend, so I've just been enjoying their content is, again. Is Wicked and Divine still kick firing on all cylinders? Oh yeah, the end of the sixth trade was full, like three back to back huge reveals. Wow. Uh, I don't know how these series do it. That's so impressive to me when you can just keep, you know, chucking out the reveals, especially once you have ones. And I haven't read that series much yet, but especially when you have ones that are like earth shattering reveals, like oh my god, everything has changed now, and then you find a way to build to another one. Speaking of that, how is uh, this is a great question for you? How is um, the Good Places season, or is it over yet? Oh yeah, it's been over for months. Has it season two? Yeah, I mean it. It only had thirteen episodes. And okay, so how did so how did it stick the second season uh, landing, the second season ending? Really well. <laughs> uh, twisty and turny again. Yeah, everything. I mean, it set up a very interesting new thing for the third season. Um, I you know I now that show's had a lot of good reveals all throughout the second season it'd be hard to top the first season reveal yeah uh but it's been just as entertaining and funny and you know developed the world as much as you could want it you know it's a great show and however many more seasons of storytelling they have in them that nbc lets them i hope they get to go or if they think season three's it then you know they'll they should end it there it's yeah. it's, it's very well put together yeah Excellent. Cool. Cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to season two coming out on Netflix. But yeah. Did you um? Did you watch what was that? Oh yeah. Are you watching uh, Once Upon a Time uh, currently? I know that's like one of the things you watch with your uh, fiance. No. Uh, you guys finally because... threw in the towel on that fucker. I mean, I did that back in season six. <laughs> I did hear season seven, which is essentially a reboot, was actually really good again. Oh. Um. But like most shows that try to completely reboot. Uh, it's canceled, like, you know, Scrub Season 9, which I also thought was really good. Uh, so, I don't know, we we'll, might get around to it eventually. Wait, wait, what? What's canceled? Once Upon a Time. Oh, they finally canceled it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? They, that does happen so often. That is really true. Um, well, that is a great segue. Are, are you done so I can segue into something? Yeah, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, so that is a great segue into The Mentalist. Um, so, this is what I've been watching because I am re-watching the entire series um, leading up to me finally watching the last series, um, the last season, I mean, um, which is like a 13-episode short season right after they kind of rebooted the show, interestingly. Um, but The Mentalist, more and more, as I go back and watch it, um, more and more I find that it's it's like top three best show I've ever seen. Um, I love that show with such a passion. Like I always say when people ask me, what do you like on TV? I'll say, well, there's shows that like you know I claim are you know, really, really amazing shows. Like, you know, your Lost's or, um, you know, show, shows like that, that, that Battlestar, things that, you know, you could really say, like, this is just hands down just a brilliant drama with everything going for it, acting, writing, whatever. Um, and then there are shows that I say are like, eh, I just watch it for fun. And I used to put Mentalist in that category. I would say, like, The Mentalist and Castle are, like, my two favorite, like, not guilty pleasures because I don't feel guilty about it, but, you know, shows that, I, I wouldn't say are like you know gonna gonna reinvent the wheel with their format and stuff like that and 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 aren't you know they're procedurals first and foremost they they solve a case every episode, but the mentalist is more than that and and I I've decided now that I just think that show is I I, I mean just from a character standpoint they have this amazing cast of you know Simon Baker as the mentalist his acting is actually profoundly good. Um, which is really startling to me. I, when, I always just thought he was just charismatic and doing that whole, like, you know, flippant Sherlock Holmes kind of thing, you know, that, that was that archetype that has continued on and on and on. Um, but 
you know, he he really is his own cre- his own creation, created in large part by Simon Baker and then also Bruno Heller um, of Gotham fame. Um, but uh, but you know, the show and and then his partner is Teresa Lisbon, um, who's just absolutely fantastic as a foil, and the two of them just have this great dynamic. And then there's this awesome team of four um, with you know um, Rigsby and um, Cho, um, and and then. Um, uh, you know the 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 last Van Pell is the is the girl, and so it's like this this great five person cast at the core of that show that just I mean every episode is great, and I thought I'd be really bummed out by the lore episodes because you know every season there's like two or three lore episodes where they talk about Red John, the serial killer who you know killed uh, Patrick Jane Simon Baker's whole family, um, and uh, and I thought those would really bum me out, but the show actually does a really good job. Um, you know, allowing each case to sort of even be standalone, even when it's a lore episode, and then have it, like, tie into the Red John thing. Um, that show made a huge mistake. Um, at the end of season three, um, they had a, you know, Patrick Jane killing Red John moment, and then, like, they decided to retcon it because they thought the show couldn't work if Red John didn't exist. And then they did three more scenes of, oh, that wasn't really Red John, that was just Red John's crew, you know? Um, and, and that really, that really fucked the show's momentum up to some extent, but on a, you know, per episode, just fun of solving a case basis, it's awesome. The other thing about it is that I've found with this and Midsummer Murders and a lot of procedurals I enjoy is the fact that I don't remember who done it because it really matters very little. At the time, it matters a lot, but going back, I never really remember. Sometimes it's a really compelling character or it's somebody who that's since become very famous, so it's clear that's the killer. It's like the easiest way to predict a killer in any show is who's like the kind of big guest star. Um, and so sometimes I can guess it, but otherwise, it really, I forget. And so I've been just going back through that. I'm uh, partway through the third season on my rewatch of, uh, of that. Um, and then um, the other thing related to that that's new is Deception. Have you guys heard of this? No. No? Oh, wait, no. Is that Simon Black? Cameron Black. Cameron Black. How do you know What's about it? Cameron Black? Because when that trailer aired, it had Sucre from Prison Break say, This Cameron Black! Like, four times. <laughs> he goes, Hi, I'm Cameron Black, at the beginning of his uh, every episode. So that show was going to be like, you know, scratch that itch for me, right? It's very much in that same mold of Castle and the Mentalist, where a guy with a unique skill set that's basically into either tricking people or being a novelist or whatever it might be comes to help the FBI with cases. Unfortunately, not so great. I watch it anyway, like at lunch at work, where I can, like, kind of watch it just lightly while I'm eating. Um, and it is... Mm, it's pretty lousy. It's pretty lousy. <laughs> I'm watching it anyway, but it's pretty lousy. I mean, you know, it... It just doesn't – you have to care a little bit about the people in it and the crime that's going on, even if it's completely preposterous. And and it's just – I mean like there was an episode where where there's an art museum and like some thief locks down this sector and there's this girl trapped in there. She's a docent and, oh, could she be involved in it? Probably, you know. Um, and then, like, some theft goes on, and there's all this, like, sleight of hand. The only part that's really cool about the show is watching the magic stuff, like, where he shows how you do that thing where, like, you know, you guys have seen this in spy movies where they fool a camera by putting mirrors up that make you think, like, they reflect another part of the hallway, so it looks like yeah. there's no one in that hall, but there really is. Um, those kind of things. And there's stuff like that in every episode, and he talks about, like, a concept of magic, like, the most recent one was fool nine, excuse me, um, 
uh, use, uh, t uh, reveal to 99 to fool one concept or the concept of, you know, the doppelganger or the, you know, different things like that. And then they try to relate it to life in a really pithy way and kind of fall flat. There's another one that's on too called Instinct that I checked out um, with the dude from... Um, God, I can't think of his name. Uh, he's like this British guy, um, and then uh, you know, a, a female cop, uh, FBI agent. Um, but you know, both of those shows, they just aren't as good as they could be. They'll probably both be canceled. But for now, it's some good popcorn watching. Um, that's my equivalent of um, uh, Black Lightning, uh, Kevin. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So if I want to just like kick back and watch something uh, dumb fun, so. Um, and that's it for me, except for a bunch of British stuff that I won't go into right now. Um, <laughs> But um, anybody else have anything of like note? You do an episode like of just British stuff where it's just you talking. <laughs> yeah, be like people hours. would love that. It'd be a million seller, man. <laughs> you know, they put platinum hits on video games and they sell a million. That's that episode right. will hit that milestone, oh, yeah. right. no doubt. Everybody wants to hear me talking about Unforgotten. I'm telling you. All right, <laughs> all right. Um, as Jordan laughs. Okay, so um, let's talk about Westworld briefly. Um, okay. So, uh, Jordan, how far did you get? Five episodes into season one? Yes. And what stopped you? Just time? Uh, disinterest. Okay. All right. All right. Because you have no mentioned that you might get back to it, so we will be... I mean, uh... I'd like to culturally, but it's sort of like Game of Thrones. I, you know, stopped after season four, and then I think last summer I was like, I would get back to this, and I watched about four episodes and was like, I just don't care. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's just n not caring about Game of Thrones is a sentiment I don't often hear. Um, but but fair enough. Um, I mean, it's a show that does a lot to make you, you know, not happy. So yeah. I was just like, you know, I don't care enough to just watch bad people win. And I mean, I'm it's, I'm sure that by the end. That won't be the case, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know. And then the, also, we'll get two endings when all is said and done. You know, the book and the and the show, if the book ever comes out. Um, <laughs> so I'm part of a, a sci-fi writers group, and um, uh, whenever it's sci-fi fantasy writers group, that's important to mention. And um, like we got into a big conversation the other day, and like the whole table erupted. Um, about like how that book is never going to get finished and you know how much it pisses them off and then all these theories about so there's another series uh the wind of time or the wind uh you heard of this the name of the wheel wind. of time no name of the wind i think it's called oh in name of the one yeah 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 the one that the was king killer chronicles yeah, yeah there you go look at my informed friends um yes so that you know the, the the movie's going to come out and Lin-Manuel Miranda That's, is producing it. That was the conversation, right? Yeah. Thanks for stealing my lead, bud. Sorry. <laughs> I guess it's okay considering you just saw Hamilton. You can be the Lin-Manuel Miranda expert for that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, definitely. Right. Anyway, um, but that's what they were saying is that he bought the rights and he's a huge fan of the series. It's actually going to be a series, I believe, not a, not a movie, or unless I'm wrong. Um, I thought I originally heard a movie, but I haven't followed it enough. You know how now. that stuff goes. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. there's way too much content. And if yeah, you're Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda, you get to say, well, now it's going to be a series because I'm right. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, sure. Just like he got the rights back to In the Heights. He was like, yo, rights holder for In the Heights. My name is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Did you know that? And the guy's like, here are your rights. Take them. Take them. Don't turn public sentiment against me, please, because I'll die. Um, anyway. Uh, so he is making a series, I believe, about it. But they, were, but basically, their theory was, you know, th that that series also has a third book that never came out. Um, obviously, it's like the fifth or sixth with with Game of Thrones. But for this, there's the third. It never came out. Um, and he's been quote working on it all this time. Well, now people are saying they're going to do just what Game of Thrones did, as if this is like an established concept where 
um, the creator just decides I'm going to hold off on writing my ending because I know I'll never finish it before the series is done. Let them do their whole series, you know, get the propulsion of, of that to sell my books one and two. And then once things are at a fever pitch and that series ends, put my book out. And I don't know how much stock I put in that theory, but anyway, the point is at the core, everybody's really, really pissed that these fantasy books never finish. Um, and it is like, I thought it was just a George R. R. Martin thing, but apparently it is not. So that's, uh, I mean, fantasy is hard to, when you have to construct an entire universe, write these big epic novels, it, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, one, it's the starting is one thing and then finishing the whole narrative on your own. It's a challenge because you go from just like an idea in your head and, you know, a very small fan base to now all these expectations and demands and yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, I get why it's a challenge. Hey, uh, Jordan, you remember that? And you might too, Kevin. You remember that author who did who crossed over into comics a bit, China Myville or Mayville? Myville? Yes. Uh, so he actually wrote a book. So there's a new series about it in the UK. And, like, I am dying to see it. I saw it on, like, some chart of new UK shows. It's called The City and the City. Have you heard of this? I have not. Holy shit, does it sound cool. The concept of it is he invented two fake European cities, like they're, they're like his creations, and like the big twist, not like the reveal twist, but the concept is that both cities, so it's like a weird science slash procedural. So like the idea is that it's a, it's a death, a murder case that has to be solved, but these two cities exist in basically the same physical space. And the two and the inhabitants of each city walk around one another, and then they have to unsee one another. So they pretend they don't see each other. So these two cities are going on and living their lives in the same physical space, but completely different cities in this really weird metaphysical conceptual way. Doesn't that sound cool as shit hmm. for a setting? Yeah. Uh, when I heard that, and then there's this group called the the Force or the Brawn or the something like that, and it's just oh man! But there's a four part series coming out in the UK about it um, that I am really into seeing. So that got me really excited. All right, I digress. So Westworld season one um, was amazing. <laughs> Long side conversation there. Yeah, it's it's part <laughs> four. Anyway, Westworld season one was phenomenal. I like it, pretty much everything about it. There are things I don't love, but generally speaking, I think it's just absolutely fantastic. And I think the thing that makes that season so good um, is, I mean, it really is a complete uh, thought. You know, it really is like a 10-episode complete story from beginning to end. It has total closure. It has a really satisfying ending. And, yeah, it leads into stuff to come, but really it could have ended right there. And a big part of what propelled me through that show are the puzzle box aspects, right? You know, the, the two timelines and all that interesting stuff, but really just the concept that, you know, you don't know what's happening and you're trying to figure it out the whole time. If that wasn't there, it would still have the great performances. It would still be gorgeous. It would still have the robot orgy. But it, what it wouldn't have is, like, that thing, that that carrot that's pulling me through the whole time. Um, would you say that was really important to you, Kevin, when you watched the first season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, I mean, uh, I, I still need to see the original movie, but, um, but I know with that one, the original movie is more along the lines of, like, where the season is going with, like, chaos and you know ai versus humans etc the what i liked about the show is that they've really taken those concepts and expanded on them mm -hmm. in a really interesting way um and yeah i mean there's always things to discuss about it always an air of mystery um and some people say you know oh there's no character development at all i would disagree with that but yeah, me um too. As we talked about before me too but um so because i mean the characters definitely draw me in um not yeah. just performances but 
um, seeing, you know, Bernard especially. Oh, um, God. As soon as he comes on screen again this season, I just was completely taken aback. So my big fear in the year and a half preceding the release of this new season was that it's going to be fucking bloody chaos. Same thing that I say about, you know, superhero movies that kind of turn me off a little bit. I don't want to see back-to-back, wall-to-wall, bloody fucking chaos. And it's not that I have an aversion to blood. I can watch that shit no problem. I'm a, I'm a you know, child of the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s. Uh, I'm completely desensitized, you know? Um, but, but the problem is I just... You want something more than that. I yeah. do. I want... I. Yeah. I want intrigue. I want interest. I, I don't want to watch just a bloody, disgusting battle all the time. And I don't want to see characters that I love slaughtering people. And I don't want to see total chaos. I want to see, like, a plot and a story that moves. And the thing that was so interesting about season one was those elements. Like, the way that, for me, it was the interplay between the park and the hosts and the creators of the park. Who's got what agenda, what they're all doing, what their machinations are, all that interesting intrigue. And especially just finding out what the park is and how how it operates and how these these hosts were created and, and and what are they exactly and how organic are they and how robotic are they and what's the deal um and that stuff really intrigued me about that first season and kept me going even above and beyond the mysteries of the characters and what was going to happen um and my big fear has been okay so you know we know and, and, and this is not big spoiler we'll just leave it at you know chaos breaks out at the end of the first season and it's pretty sure. clear that chaos is going to continue um and at that point, I just don't know once there's not like a nerve center with people controlling shit in the park and it's basically just a couple people on the run and then a bunch of these hosts. I don't know, you know, doing violent shit. I just don't know how interesting that's going to be. And so if I'm – and by the way, this is going to be my assessment just based on the episode and then at the end we can talk about what's coming next or we don't even have to put that to the end. But there's also a little teaser we saw at the end of the second episode yeah. that says like what's going to happen on the season and man, it's a good thing they included that because I my, my view was bleak until I, I saw that little teaser. But anyway, so I was really worried it was going to be this just blood fest and, season, and episode one of season two certainly hasn't done much um, to, to, to dispossess me of that notion. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, just violence in the premiere, and um, especially with how they characterize Dolores now. I know. Uh, I, I hope that doesn't stay this. And I, I think there will be more to it. I really don't think it's going to stay the that same way for the entire season. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I really don't. Even though it's going to have an overarching chaotic feel to it, you know, we still don't know if they're, they may not fully abandon the nerve center. Um, we still, you know, what I'm most interested in is to see, uh, what happens with Maeve because right now she's just trying to look for her daughter. But if, you know, depending on where that goes, you know, she has, um, what's his face under uh, control. Um, you know, it's possible that like maybe she could start taking over. Maybe they could reinvent what Westworld is instead of it just being destroyed. That I think that's very much a possibility. Um, I don't know, but just based on everything that happened season one and the style of Jonathan Nolan, and Lisa Joy, I don't think they're just they're interested in just a big bang them up, shoot them up, you know, Wild yeah. West showdown. Yeah, uh, no, I, I don't either. Um, I mean, we know yeah. what they're about. They're about things like Interstellar, you know, which is right, very right. thoughtful and, and, and contemplative and, and, and interesting and big, sure. big lofty ideas. And so there sure. were hints in this episode that have me intrigued. So there were things like um, – you know, again, they're sort of doing a little bit of a divergent timeline thing, but it's only like uh, 10 days instead of, you know, 
what however long the the time split was in the previous season. Right, right. Um, and then you know there's also what's her name Tessa Thompson's character, and yeah, yeah. she's hanging out with Bernard, and the two of them are finding out some really like seedy underhanded shit that Delos has been up to from the beginning and there were some hints at that and they have to get their hands on different IP for weird reasons and then you get to meet these like drone characters they're like uh they're they're host husks kind of and they look kind of neat um and you see this like alternate nerve center that's like a Delos like secret facility and that's cool that stuff was intriguing but it's very clear that they put that in there like they had because they know they got to have something that's you know going to pull you along and make you wonder so that's there um, I don't know about the Man in Black's new mission where he's just like, you know, oh, I got right. uh, completed his, so yeah. Yeah, what? but now they've got him on a new quest. Like that seems a little yeah. like quick and dirty and artificial. Where like Anthony Hopkins is like, I have a new game for you. Like really? Like does that is then that seem a little bit like, uh, oh wait, there's no game anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, you got a new game to play, bud. You know, it, right, it's just, right, right. That's a little bit. That was a little bit whatever. Um, Pulling a Destiny two on him. Yeah. Yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. Um, and, and you know, it's... I, 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 when I was watching that episode, I was just not having a great time. But I think the thing I like the least is watching uh, Dolores just slaughter people. Um, yeah. And, and then, like, you know, just not give a shit and say, this is who I am now, and, you know, I'm Wyatt and all this crap. And I, I don't know. It's just... It's, it's nothing that I liked about the Dolores character. And she had a couple monologues that were, like close to what it used to be like but just everything about it just felt i don't know just a lot more shallow and, and it, even even violent it could be good but it's it was very shallow um i don't know what do you think i mean i still enjoyed it overall i think with i, I definitely agree that it was weird seeing dolores so overtly you know quieter gunslinger and all that um but it's interesting what they how the interplay between um her and teddy yeah. he seems yeah. to be a little less gung-ho about and is more um while i mean he understands dolores's anger now that you know she's um and she knows who she is and the whole westworld concept and everything she's angry and it's understandable but i like that you know he has reservations about you know them becoming full you know avengers and yeah. gunslingers yeah. and all that so that adds an interesting element to it um again i mean it's hard to judge it fully on the premiere it because is. It this is. was it very is. expository not a ton of, it was mainly just kind of showing okay where are the characters at now yeah. Yeah. and then there was that moment at the end with bernard um which what was your reaction to that um yeah i mean yeah his comment i my reaction to that was i know for a fact that it's going to be it's not going to be what it seems you know yeah so clearly you know he makes that comment you know that i did all of this and and I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, it just felt a little bit cheap to me. But again, sure. all, all of it is going to be the execution. And, and, and really, I guess we can move on because we're about done uh, to talk about the little preview. So there was basically a two-minute teaser or maybe one minute at the end, which said not next week on Westworld, but this season or in the next right. few weeks. And um, it showed a lot of cool stuff. It showed more of like the underground Delos concept. It showed you know Peter Abernathy coming back and being an important character, which I was wondering how they were going to do that. Now we know that he's the IP, so that's interesting. Um, but then more than that, the expansiveness of the series, the series is opening up. So now it is not – although it will continue to be called Westworld, it's actually about this concept of 
all of this Delos Parks. They also have little hints in this episode, like, to where this actually might be located geographically. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, when that dude shows up and, and they were like, you know, get him to sign an NDA. That was interesting. And then also the idea of um, the different parks. So there's, like, at least six, I think, they reference. And we know one of them is called Shogun World. Um, so yep. that's going to be sort of a, a Japanese um, warrior-themed place. So that has the potential to really make things better. So if this park is in chaos, but there's still five other parks that are completely operational under Delos's control, that has the, t the potential to bring back the stuff that I love about the show. You know, these overlords controlling everything and, and, and all of the, the interesting aspects of that fascinates me so the delos and their mission and where this is and what this is and the size of the park and then um at, at the at the root of all of that um what is her name oh i just forgot it tandy newton um mave mave's character holding the samurai sword was just right. like, oh yeah that was awesome oh yeah like things are exactly. things are gonna get good so i'm cautiously optimistic but that first sure. episode i can't say i enjoyed it you know sure yeah, no, I mean, it was a decent premiere. I'm interested in seeing where the rest of the season will go. But, cool. Uh, You're going to watch it weekly, right? Yeah, I will. It's about the only show I'm committing to right now because there's too much. Like, I, I don't really – I don't have a lot of time for TV right now. But, yeah, I'll watch this. Cause it's all it's, that time at Alamo, man. That's no time for TV when you're at the Alamo right? Draft House. Exactly. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, hey, on that note – um, why don't we dive into Avengers Infinity War in three, two, one now? You guys ready? Assemble. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's uh, let's get into it. Jordan, um, why don't you start off and talk about um, what you were thinking going into the movie? Like when you were walking into the theater on Thursday, what were your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I was just, just excited. I, I figured it would be a big film uh you know it's the longest mcu movie it's two hours 40 minutes um it's uh i don't know it's hard to, it's hard to say i mean i remember watching the first iron man in high school and you know being there with a friend and seeing it and geeking out over the stuff uh, i can't say geeking out over the nick fury cameo because we left because we didn't know there was going to be a nick fury cameo after the thing, credits but until then yeah um but, you know, I saw that eventually, and then I didn't even see Incredible Hulk in theaters uh, just because it didn't excite me. But then I heard there was a cameo in that. And then from there on, you know, Iron Man 2, forward, you know, I've been there. Avengers, it's been, you know, every Thursday night showing. Um, for 10 years? And, oh, well, not for 10 years. Avengers was only six ago. but Okay, six years. Uh, yeah, but it's... It, it. I don't know. I mean, I love all the movies for the most part. I mean, even the ones I don't like i still rewatch, and there are things to like in them and and you know if nothing else they're solid enough they're not ruinous uh but i just was looking forward to seeing all of these characters that had been introduced recently and over the years and the different ways the relationships might play out um even if because the, i you know in my mind even if the story was somehow you know buckled under the weight of it all I still assume there were going to be a lot of fun interactions and characters that have never met before meeting and having uh, different reactions to one another. Um, I was hoping the story would pay off well. I was excited, um, not just for Thanos, um, because the the pre-buzz had been so strong on him, but I was looking forward to seeing the Black Order. You know, some of them, uh, especially with, you know, hearing an actress I love, Carrie Coon, was going to play one of them. 
uh, and just generally after the two years since Civil War, I was excited to see how things would go between the Avengers. So, like, those were my thoughts going in. Mm-hmm. I was excited to see where it goes. I was excited to see Thanos and hopefully see him finally get paid off after six years of teasing. <laughs> um, and recasting, etc. And weird chin hair. Go ahead. Uh, but I was just really looking forward to it. And uh, that, that was my thing. I was like, there was... I, was, I mean, there was no way my expectations weren't at least a little sky high just out of the anticipation for this event, for my trust in the Russos from their previous two films. Um, and, yeah, I was just excited to see where things would go. Nice. Uh, Kevin, you? I mean, yeah, pretty much same kind of level of excitement. I mean, I, I, was, I mean, it got me thinking, like, even before the MCU started, I remember... Just, like, I was hanging out with my friend um, in, like, eighth grade, who was pretty much the one who got me into comics, because he was a big, uh, especially Marvel stuff, but he was a big reader at the time, and, like, um, he showed me, I remember him showing me the picture of the Iron Man suit, uh, the the first image they ever released, like, this was still months before the movie, Um, he pulled that up on his phone and showed me, so, like, it's just, like, you know, I've been in it from the beginning, I've seen everyone in theaters, um, and... I still remember even watching the post, the first post credit scene in theaters. So like I don't know what it was that compelled us to stay, but um, but when yeah, when Nick Fury showed up there, I just I was like, what? They're gonna do Avengers? Um, and so yeah, I mean I've been excited ever since with this one. Um, yeah, looking forward to see Thanos. Um, looking forward to seeing Vision and Scarlet Witch finally get together after that being teased forever. Um, we got to jump right in too. Yeah, it, it wasn't to seeing them like get together. It was seeing them be together like big yep. time. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there obviously reservations I had was like I would. I mean, I was very impressed by Civil War and how they handled that, and I still think that has one of the strongest narratives in the MCU, um, especially for all the things they had to tackle and accomplish in that. I figured this one would be even harder to tell, you know, a cohesive story. Um, so I still had you know reservations, but. Regardless, I was excited about just the experience of it and seeing all these characters come together and, you know, everything that would ensue from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. So I was, too. Obviously, as I've said, I'm, I'm, I'm always cautiously optimistic about superhero movies. You know, I feel like they're long and, they, and there's a lot of, you know, smashing of shields and bashing of explosions and fires. And, you know, um, that said... The last couple superhero movies I saw were just phenomenal and entertaining from beginning to end. Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok. Um, Guardians 2, to some extent, although I can barely even remember it. I must have been sleepwalking through that movie. There's something about that movie that's very unmemorable, as much as I enjoyed it. Um, and then um, the last one is Black Panther. Um, you know, and Wonder Woman also. Not that that's an MCU movie, but it's just also a really, really well done um, superhero film. So I, I, I've seen a lot of movies, but if you think about those movies, you know, minus Guardians, all of them are single characters. Um, and I and I, I think that I'm coming to the conclusion, and I'll talk more of this as we go, <laughs> that I like single character movies way better. Um, sure. And so I always, these big movies are good, and they, and they move the ball forward on a, on a large scale and, and, and bring out things that are going to allow those individual stories to carry additional weight and they get to have the biggest stakes and the biggest battles that part i don't love but you know so those things are interesting for me i just really wanted to see how they were going to handle the whole thanos thing i'm really intrigued by the concept of the two movies and how they secretly became not infinity war one and two at some point but yet both of them are shot like while we were watching infinity war 
they are working on post production. They have they have a sh- uh, a shot for shot, fully put together version of the second one now, um, and they're just like post production on it. And to me, that's just fascinating, you know, that everybody's seeing this and and waiting to see what happens. So I also saw some of the early buzz, and the early buzz, you know, that they have the um, the embargo ended on I don't know Tuesday night at midnight or three a.m. and then on two and then Tuesday like evening the reviews could go up. Um, and when the embargo broke, it wasn't like Black Panther level of glowing. It was it was a lot of people saying, "Wow, I'm still processing that," or "Wow, it certainly has a cliffhanger," or "Wow, it was fantastic." I can't. It was like a mixtape of the MCU. So I heard a lot of that stuff, which all turned out, which all you know, ended up being pretty true. Um, but you know, it 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 made me intrigued, and especially the idea of potential character deaths. That was a big thing that was sold heavily in this. Um, was going in, you know, there are going to be casualties in this war. It is big stakes. Um, and so I was excited to see what that was going to be. Not that I want people to die, but that, you know, death can often propel really good story, as we all know, especially from comics. Um, so anyway, for all those reasons, I was excited, but, you know, cautiously so. Um, and then, Jordan, you know, you know what we always ask you? <laughs> can you do it? Uh, yeah. Are you going to ask for a plot summary? Of course we are. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, honestly, this won't be that hard. Okay, cool. Um, All right, we always look forward to these. No pressure. So here is uh, the plot summary of Avengers Infinity War from Jordan Elseka. Following the following the end of Thor Ragnarok, where the escaped Asgardians were confronted by Thanos' ship, Avengers Infinity War opens with uh, most of the Asgardians already dead, half apparently still we alive. That, we hear that later, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Thanos himself, as well as his Black Order... Made of Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, uh, Ebony Maw, and, oh, something Obsidian. I forget his name. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're pretty, unfortunately, generic. Okay. Uh, but they are attacking. Thanos is threatening Loki and demanding he give him the uh, Tesseract that he obviously stole from Asgard. Uh, but Hulk tries to stop him. Hulk's not successful as Thanos ambiguous whether or not aided by the power stone in that fight pretty much manages to body the hulk heimdall zips him to earth heimdall is killed loki is killed on a heroic note of actually trying to do the right thing for once uh before we cut to new york where iron man is approached by dr strange which is where the hulk landed in the sanctum sanctorum to try and stop the gathering of the infinity stones by thanos at which point the black order arrives on earth uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man all team up to fight a couple of the members before Doctor Strange is kidnapped. They follow him into space, uh, leaving Wong to kind of just leave the movie. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go chill at the Sanctum, yo. Um, Hulk, meanwhile, picks up the fo- or Bruce Banner, since Hulk won't come out at any point in this movie, <laughs> calls Captain America on the cell phone he was he gave to Tony at the end of Civil War, uh, which we also see in uh, Foreign Country, Scarlet Witch meeting up with Vision, where they're attacked by two other members of the Black Order before they're being saved by Falcon, Captain America, and Black Widow. What a hell they of an all... entrance, man. My theater erupted when Cap showed up. Yeah. <laughs> go, go um, with very little uh, option but to try and stop the order from collecting the Mind Stone from Vision. They go back to Rhodey, who's pretty chill after <laughs> having his uh, back broken, and just decides to say, F the Sokovia Accords, and help them. 
they decide to go to the nation of Wakanda where Shuri, Black Panther's sister, might be able to remove the Mind Stone from Vision without actually causing him any uh, permanent damage. Sounds good. In space, Iron Man and Spider-Man manage to save um, Doctor Strange by killing Ebony Maw. Uh, elsewhere, Thor is found by the Guardians after the destruction of the ship. Uh, they work with him, Rocket and Groot going with Thor to uh, an Asgardian name that I'm forgetting. It starts with an N, but I can't remember. Yeah. Nimbleventer, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, oh, impressive. Yeah. Which is a great where forge Dinklage where... Hmm? <laughs> where Peter Dinklage is. <laughs> yes, where Peter oh, Dinklage weird. is playing the, king, the dwarf king who can help forge a new weapon. Thanos had already come there to have the Infinity Gauntlet made and had... Uh, turned his hands to stone or forged them in metal. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, his hands aren't that important as a craftsman since it really just comes down to opening the iris on a Dyson sphere-like device to allow them to melt the metal to make Stormbreaker, a new axe for Thor that also is made with parts of the root of Teen Groot. Um, the other Guardians, meanwhile, head to Titan. Uh, after encountering Thanos and Gamora is kidnapped... They head to Titan to meet up with Nebula, uh, where they run into Iron Man, Peter Parker, and Doctor Strange, who plan to take the fight to Thanos. Uh, as they all work together to protect the Time Stone, which is in the Eye of Agamotto, protected by Doctor Strange. Uh, meanwhile, Thanos is using Gamora to track down the final Infinity Stone, the Stoll Stone, where they go to the planet of Vormir and find the Red Skull of all people is guarding the stone after having been cast there some 70 years ago. Although not played by Hugo Weaving, amazingly. Yes, that is true. Uh, they find that in order to get the Soul Stone, uh, Thanos has to trade a soul for a soul of someone he loves, and while Gamora is immediately thinking that he's lost... He willingly sacrifices his adoptive daughter to gather the Soul Stone and then heads to Titan to get the Time Stone. There he has a pitched battle with the uh, Avengers and Guardians that are on the location, only for the knowledge of Gamora's death to cause Star-Lord to completely F, F the plan up. So bad. Um, or did he? Uh, at which point he right. almost kills Tony Stark, only for Doctor Strange to give up the Time Stone to save him. He travels to Earth where the Avengers and the Wakandans have been fighting the Black Order and mostly winning uh, between Hulk and the Hulkbuster armor, the varied Avengers and uh, tribes of Wakanda doing pretty well, till Thanos shows up and pretty much bodies everyone. Vision demands Scarlet Witch destroys the Mind Stone in his head so they can't fully activate the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and though she is successful, he uses the Time Stone to turn back time, kill Vision, and take the Mind Stone. Um, he decimates most of the Avengers, but Thor arrives and manages to implant Stormbreaker right in Thanos' chest. Which is bad, by the way, him. He should have gone for the head before snapping his fingers uh, and activating the Infinity Gauntlet. At which point, so many people <laughs> just disintegrate into nothingness across the universe, including countless Marvel heroes uh, in all corners of the galaxy, uh, leaving Thanos hidden away in an unknown realm to recover, happy that his work is done. Um, all leading to a post credit scene in which Nick Fury and Maria Hill disintegrate, but not before activating a pager to call in Captain Marvel. Nicely done, my friend. 
Nice. That It is so hard whenever I try to do those recaps to not include so many details. But, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, he left that out. It was perfect thing to leave out. We are very impressed, Jordan. Are you impressed, Kevin? Yeah, just a little. I, I couldn't do that without notes. If I, like, I mean, it'd be better with I, notes if I could write it down. No, but, you, you know, off that. the cuff. Like, without, like, I saw it twice, and I couldn't do that. So uh. That's unbelievable. All right. Well, hey, we'll, we'll stop uh, going crazy about how good that was. And instead talk about uh how good you guys thought the movie was so uh i guess let's start with um hmm let's start with what do you guys want to start with like general uh, thoughts or what what do you think what's the best way to dive into this it's a big movie do we want to talk characters do we want to talk plot points do we want to talk what do you want to do um i guess you know what was your just just what was your initial reaction Okay, cool. Um, so walking out of the theater, uh, go for it. Uh, Jordan, you start this one. <laughs> Just talked so much. Okay. Um, I guess, I mean, walking out of the theater, I loved it. Uh, just on a, on a basic, like, pleasure level, the movie does so much to be entertaining throughout um, in, in a great way. It's, like I said earlier, I was hoping for great interactions between different characters, and those were there throughout the movie, from Thor meeting the Guardians, to Rocket wanting to steal Bucky's metal arm, to the, uh, seeing Black Widow and Okoye fight together. There were great moments throughout, and different interactions between characters. I thought this movie did a good job of bringing what, I mean, if you look at Phase 3... After Civil War, which is the first movie, um, and then I think you have the two Avengers sequels at the very end. I mean, even taking Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp, really, you can watch, outside of Doctor Strange kind of being before Thor, you can watch those movies in any order. Um, like, if you wanted to mix it up and watch Black Panther first, and then go to Spider-Man, and then go all the way to Ammon and the Wasp, probably, barring any post credit scenes or things like that. It does a good job of being like, here's all of these adventures that happened, and now we're bringing all of these characters back together. It feels like Phase 1, um, which had all of the characters in their individual movies before bringing them together. Phase 2, I don't think... Phase 2 was more just, here are some individual adventures for these characters before they happen to be in another team-up. Right. Um, Whereas this one seemed like, although they were each individual stories, that they really um, sort of culminated in this nicely. Yeah. Um, and it did a good job of... Because a lot more of the stones were introduced recently. Uh, the arcs that were started in some of those movies are at least continued here. And, you know, as far as character arcs, that's something... You know, I think that's a bit of an elephant in the room. But just on a pure enjoyment level and enjoying the movie, I really did like it. It's as I started to think about it that I... I don't even want to say problems because I think it's a it's a interesting movie to look at the structure of but there were things where i was like i get why some people might be disappointed um but i liked it a lot going in and even just thinking about it i want to go see it again and i hope it stands up on multiple viewings well i will say this um i'll go next um i uh i had the same issue that i often have with these movies where i hit that and i don't mean to sound like a broken record but i hit that that third quarter uh stretch that was really hard for me where it was it was the beginning part of the 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 dual the 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 dual place battle um half on wakanda and half on um titan i guess yes um where those two battles are going on and on and on for about 25 minutes at least it felt like um, that really dragged for me, and, and I know that's weird because it's like the action part everybody's probably so most excited about, but I was much more excited during 
say when Thor finally got his axe built. That to me was like rousing, and I just my heart leapt. Um, or I was, and then he finally slams down with the with the axe on on um, on uh, uh, Thanos, you know, and, and hits him with it, and actually does damage after so many people have been bashed off. This film does some excellent things with momentum building and then release. It's uh, tension and release, tension and release in a really excellent way throughout. I just wish that third quarter was just a little bit. I don't know, edited or, or I don't know, the, not really, because everybody else wants that stuff. I just don't. So I'm just going to call that my own personal problem with the film. Um, and then, you know, overall, though, the, the things that I loved the most about it were character moments. I loved Thor, go figure, because I loved Ragnarok and this new incarnation of Thor. You know, he's evolved and I love his current state um, and his eyes back. <laughs> Um, I also love um, Doctor Strange. I loved his movie, and I loved him in this. And I was really surprised. He was a main character in this movie, like main character. And I was surprised at how much play he got, whereas Black Panther I felt got way less, which is fine. I mean, you know, we just saw a huge movie with him. Um, but but that was interesting. So there were character moments that I really enjoyed. Um, uh, Peter, um, I really Star-Lord I really liked also at certain moments, like when he does that thing where he, like, Gives, gives Thanos the finger and then drops into one of those holes that Doctor Strange made. That was an amazing little, like, visual moment, like, where character meets meets visual action in a really good way. I think the characterizations of the characters were pretty much on point across the board. So all of those things I enjoyed a whole lot. Um, I just think as an overall whole, it... I don't know, I... I I don't know. It's it's hard to say. And and then I will say this at the end of the movie. Well, we'll talk about the ending, but the reaction in my theater was crazy. And then I ended it up just feeling like, wow, that was that was ballsy, you know. So I mean, overall, it's it's a remarkable achievement that they could balance the twenty seven characters that movie has. Remarkable. Um, my enjoyment of it is lower than I think the quality of the movie is, if that makes sense. All right, Kevin. Okay, so. I mean, on an enjoyment level of fanboy, I enjoyed every minute. I saw it twice in, you know, 72 hours, and um, and I'd probably go again. Um, I just, I mean, it was just awesome, again, seeing all these characters come together. And um, as far as, like, standout moments, I love seeing Bucky with the new arm. Um, I love pretty much all the Guardians and Thor stuff. That was perfect how they came together. Um, I, like... And the and Doctor Strange, I definitely seeing him more. Um, and the team up with him, Iron Man and Spider Man, was perfect. Um, and so there was, I mean, just so much to take in and absorb, and um, just have all my fanboy senses go crazy. Uh, but uh, and I'd say the biggest accomplishment as a movie, both on a fanboy level and on a narrative, is making Thanos the real protagonist of the movie. Um, like I said, I mean, the ending reaction definitely got a huge reaction both times I saw it. Some people were just like shocked, like what? Like, and which made me kind of laugh because I'm like people, it happens in the first issue of the comic that the movie's based on. Um, so it's not, you know, if you wanted to like get spoilers, just read the comic that came out 27 years ago. Yeah. Okay, uh, but that that's an unfair criticism to, to know, just say read the comics. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. still a big shocking. I mean, even if. Oh, no, it is. It is. Even if people have read the comics, it's a ballsy way to end a movie. Oh, it is. It's fascinating. And that's and that's remarkably what dark. Very un. I don't think it's ever been a Hollywood blockbuster with this dark an ending. I might be able to argue. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's what like I have to give Disney Marvel huge credit for taking that risk and being able to do that and knowing that it would be, you know, get that kind of reaction of people being like sad, angry and confused 
walking out of theater. That was fascinating, and I'm glad they stuck to it. Um, and of course, you know, I mean, a lot of it's going to be retconned in the uh, the next one, but still, I mean, it had there were definite repercussions here, and um, I mean, just letting Thanos win at the end was a fascinating choice. Um, but yeah, and so that would be probably my biggest takeaway was obvious. I love seeing all the characters we know and love come together, but I'm I was impressed by I thought how good a job they did with Thanos. Is it best villain, like, you know, comic book villain ever? No, but definitely not. But uh, in, especially in comparison with other CG villains we've seen recently that are just flat and terrible and uninteresting, they ma- did a really good job making Thanos an actual fleshed out character with understandable motivations that I paid even more attention to in the second viewing. Um, and I thought Josh Brolin was a good pick for it. I mean, he, I was just really excited. Was great. I think I think it has to be said that it's one of the best supervillain performances that I've seen. Yeah. Um, whether or not I agree with motivations, whether or not you know certain other aspects come together, his performance in that role was fully believable from beginning to end. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, he's a villain. You you hopefully don't agree with his motivations, but no, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. What I, what I mean is don't he... don't understand his motivations. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense why it makes sense to him. Um, and I think Thanos is the right place to start talking more in depth just because, I mean, yeah. Like, I remember a few years ago the thing that really bugged me with Captain America Civil War is so many people were like, no, it's really Avengers 3. And I'm like, well, it's, to me it was like the big problem with calling it that is it's like, well, it's a very bad Avengers film because most of the Avengers are just there for a cameo. And it's interesting looking at this one because I'm like, yeah, in a way, this is a very bad Avengers film because a lot of the Avengers, a lot of the heroes are reduced to cameo level. Um, In a lot of ways, you know, I think the snarkiest way to say it is that I loved the first Thanos solo film, which is really what this feels like. He just happens to be fighting everyone in the Marvel Universe throughout it. Don't forget at the end, and I was shocked at this, it doesn't say the Avengers will return. It says Thanos, Thanos will return. Will return. Yep. Holy shit! <laughs> like, like wh- I that, love that. that. That would have been just the littlest bit of light they could have given people. You know, it wouldn't even say they're going to retcon it because the Avengers are still alive, the core Avengers. So they could have said the Avengers will return. Um, so will Thanos, and that would have been fine. But no, they doubled fucking down, and then people were dying for light from that post-credit scene. No, they doubled down. Uh, anyway, you were saying Cam. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jordan. Well, no, no. And I mean, I, I think that ending kind of puts the, the dot on it that I get it from a marketing perspective. You obviously couldn't call this Thanos Infinity War. I think it would easy, I think it would just right off of that make like 50 to 100 million dollars less. I yeah. think the name recognition is that important. Um, but, you know, yeah, this is a Thanos movie. He is the character we start with. He's the character we end with. He is the character... Honestly, he's the only character in the movie with a legitimate character arc. Um, so many of the characters. Like, if you're a Captain America fan, this really isn't the best movie for you. Guy barely no, has six lines throughout yeah. the whole thing. Uh, he same looks for really Black badass, Widow. though. Hulk kind of... Yeah, he does look great. Hulk kind of has an arc where Hulk just doesn't want to come out, which <laughs> is, I guess, because he got whooped. But I don't know. That was that was a... I, I, I know they, they I said that, that there's like a trilogy of Hulk narrative throughout these three movies, but it, it was weird. Um, and then Iron Man, Spider-Man and Dr. Strange all get to know each other. But again, it wouldn't really, you can't say any of them have an arc. They just have more prominence in the film because they put, uh, they get to be the ones that go out into space. And then you have the guardians who I honestly, I, I was really happy with the guardians. Cause I thought they did 
better work here than they did in Guardians 2. Um, but all these characters flit in and out of the movie, but it's Thanos who is the through line, who you see his development, his backstory, um, and I think that was a great thing. But do you, yeah, I mean, do you think that, okay, so if you think that's a great thing, then maybe this isn't, then maybe you're not criticizing it for not having arcs for the Avengers, but my question is, is it physically possible? And I would argue that it is not. I would argue that it is not possible to have 27 characters in this movie, make it a big, bring all the movies together in a greatest hits, and still, I mean, a greatest hits album by its very definition doesn't have, like, you know how albums, they talk about, you know, the, the song one is, song one, it's very much designed to be the first song on the album, you go on a journey as you take the album in. Um, but a greatest hits album is just going to have one song from each artist, or or all the best songs from one artist from all these different albums. And, you, you know, you can't, I don't think you can do that. So you could either have Thanos be, you know, the only one who has an arc or have nobody have an arc because it really isn't possible. The, I'll tell you the way you could do it. You could do basically you could call it Avengers but make it Civil War and have three main characters have big arcs and everybody else be just secondary. But then you're not really doing you're, – you're, you'd have to take a lot more time away from people and give people even less screen time. Um, so it really – I don't know that it's possible. Do you think it would have been possible to give everybody or even ten of them arcs? I mean I think you could give – you could have given more to Tony and Cap. And, you know, I think there are many arcs. I think Thor gets to develop. And, again, um, I liked Thor a lot more in this movie because he got to have a genuine emotion and, you know, not have to immediately undercut it with a joke. So I was happy to see that element of Thor with his scene with Rocket that I thought was good. I liked – seeing um oh who's the other one uh there was a little bit of development like i said with hulk uh the, the the thing that i thought but i again yeah you could have boofed it up you could have given tony a little more of of arc and narrative development but i i don't think that that was necessary because yeah. i don't think i think the, the the tricky thing is it's hard to judge this movie fully until we see the next movie it's because so as much as they separated them um, by not calling it Infinity War Part 1 and 2. I do think that was more marketing than anything, because if you call this Part 1, it seems more skippable. It seems like a movie you can catch later and then catch the second one, and everything about the marketing for this has been, no, this is it. This is the culmination. Um, and from an, a spectacle point of view, I think it is that, and from a establishing your villain. Again, after six years of buildup, I, I don't think you could have a satisfying ending where Thanos loses in this. So I get that this is the movie where you have everybody there, you build them up, you do all the big action scenes and all the big crossovers. And if you look at the roster, I think the thing they did was we're going to make this the movie where we build Thanos up as a character. Next year is going to be, in a lot of ways, the real culmination and that actually has the core six Avengers. Because if you look at it, you've got a few other people. You've got Rocket, you've got um nebula you've got uh war machine but really who's left are the original six avengers mm -hmm. um Ant man and the wasp and captain marvel are going to come in but like the next movie is going to deal with the fallout of civil war it's going to bring probably closer to the hulk black widow stuff it's going to see them all coming together and being heroes again so that's going to be the more emotional film next year i um i saw this with with tim and uh, that was his like Number one takeaway at the end was, oh, what a coincidence. Isn't that, or more like, isn't that interesting? It's the core original Avengers that survived. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that is, that is very, it's, it's very clear um, that that is a decision that they made. And, and, and so all of these peripheral characters are almost, you know, wiped out and then, you know, only to eventually be brought back. Sure. Um, I think that doing the ending like this is, is an interesting decision. 
Um, and, and I do agree with you completely that until we see the way that they sell this and the way that they decide to retcon it, making sure that that doesn't feel cheap like this didn't matter, making sure that – you know, it 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 does justice to this ending. Um, you know, even, while also bringing in the second movie, so it is going to be very important to see how they stick the landing because this doesn't have the landing in it, not really. Um, but also, I, I I feel like it's it's really remarkable, and especially with the movie, the highest grossing film of all time in its opening weekend, to have this kind of ending is is amazing because you know they could have easily had a post credit scene where um, they flash back to Doctor Strange, like, like telling a little more about how he knows um, what has to happen, you know, just to let us know, just to put a bigger point on that. And I don't say, I, I'm not saying I want that, but I'm saying, like, they could have easily gone with a much lighter yeah. ending just by having some hint that they're going to fix this. Because they made it pretty, I mean, you really have to think, and, and, a, and a lot of people are very smart and analytical that go to these movies, but then there's also a lot of people that aren't thinking super deep and just want to have an experience and watch people win at the end. They want that Thor slam with the hammer to be the victory slam, you know? And that isn't what you get in this movie. And, um, you know, only when you think about it for ten minutes, uh, you know, and I had a conversation after the movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Doctor Strange looks forward at all the possible realities, and he realizes there's only one way they can win, and he st and he makes this decision to trade the Time Stone for Tony. Uh, you know, thus this is the way that they win. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done that. So, I mean, I know I'm saying the obvious to all of us, but you know, that is they don't make it super obvious that that's what happened at the very end of the movie for you know your average moviegoer that isn't really diving into it. And even if you do get that, it. You know, movies affect you a lot with a lot of things. It's not just the plot and the story. It's the music. It's the way they decide to, like, play it. If you remember all the sound cut out during those last scenes when people are going, just disappearing, like, it was very bleak and dark, not just from a, you know, thematic uh, and, and what's going on on screen, but also the music, the the the... Uh, you know the, the the tones, just everything about it, the way the cuts were, everything about that ending is very bleak to make you feel bad. Um, and then when you see Thanos smiling, you almost feel happy for him, like for an instant. But boy, do you feel like really devastated. I mean, that movie wanted you to leave devastated, which is an interesting choice. I don't know why they made that choice. What do you guys think? I mean, it makes you want to come back next year, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah but but also, so when I look at this as a Thanos movie. And I think about so I have like three favorite moments that kind of exemplify his arc and to me the most fascinating parts of it. So I love the opening scene. I could watch that you know multiple. I I, I was gripped from that from the beginning in both viewings. I thought that right away they do a great job cutting right to the fact that Thanos is this big hell bent villain ready to take down the universe and will stop at nothing. Um, you know, just strangles Loki to death, kills Heimdall, all of that. And I think that was really well executed. Um, and then in the about in the middle, the flashback scene with him and young Gamora um, when he first meets her. Uh, I thought that was fascinating because while it's not, you know, he's still a monster. We see just some of his empathy there and that relationship at its roots. And then we see the, you know, him kind of explain his reasoning for wanting to, you know, balance the universe, as he calls it. Um, and then at the very end, when he's inside the dimension of the Soul Stone, and he sees Yanka Moore again, and she asks him, you know, what did it cost to do this? And he says everything, you know, and so like, yeah, it's, I mean, is it, again, the best written, you know, version of a villain or anything? No, I mean, it's still pretty basic. And there's, you know, like, really one central motivation driving him. 
but it's just enough to make it compelling to when you look at it as a movie about a villain. Um, so I thought all of that was handled really well. Will somebody explain to me, here's a problem that I have and it's bothering me. Will somebody explain to me why such a smart guy, Thanos is very, very smart and he has a lot of time to plan and to think and to, you know, go through all this stuff. How does a smart guy like that extrapolate from the fact that his planet was overcrowded and needed to be cut in half population wise? I get that. That needed to happen. It didn't happen. He's pissed. Why does that lead him to want to delete half of the world's population when half when the world is not overpopulated generally when when all kinds of countries all over the place are sparse and spread out and and not overpopulated at all like he's he he he, he they they put him forward as a logical villain he's a little twisted he's a little psychologically whacked but generally speaking he he's doing this from a place of somewhat logic and I don't get how that logic computes can somebody explain well, to me well, I mean, it's it's not he's not fully sane. I mean, he is the mad titan the in the comics. Titan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I think I mean you could look at it from any number of angles to be like, okay, you have the Infinity Gauntlet. Why kill everyone? Why not make limitless resources? You could do that, right? Um, but he, you know, he's it. The way it sells it is he is forged by the fires of his youth. He saw his planet, you know, decimated and losing all of this life, and so he for him it just. He sees life as, you know, something that there's too much of and he wants to take it out. And, you know, it like, again, he's been doing this for years, even if he, you know, cert- like it's any kind of like madman. They get locked in and have tunnel vision and no logical explanation is going to tear them from the path they think is best. I guess um, I can see that. That's a good that's a good case for it. Um, You know, I, I could definitely see that, although I just I felt myself the entire movie thinking there needed to be one more scene that sold his madness. Um, because otherwise, I just I saw him as a pretty logical dude, um, who was like weighing things like his daughter's life versus this goal, um, pretty pretty rationally. Um, I really do. I, I really feel like they made him out to be pretty rational. He wasn't acting erratically pretty much ever. He was always doing things pretty systematic and like, here's what we do point A, then we do point B. I have this team spread out to do these goals, and and he's much, he's very much strategic like that. And then for him to just have this final goal of just saying. I'm not even going to choose who lives and dies. I'm just going to say, boop, half of people die. It just seems very uh, illogical to me. And I, I get it. He's the Mad Titan. I get all of that stuff. I just feel like they should have sold that madness a little more so I could understand why he drew, drew the conclusion that he did from what happened on Titan versus the conclusion that you know a more rational person might draw. Well, I think I think what's interesting is it's like – I think it's a good thing that he's like it should be random. Um, I think the movie, and a lot of it's the performance of Josh Brolin, who really does do a good job. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, he's gonna he's gonna be competing against himself in theaters in a few weeks with his other superhero <laughs> villain. Um, but it, what, what was fascinating to me is it. I think it did do a good job of, um, if not selling why he wants to to you know his his plan itself. I I thought it came across very clearly that like he doesn't necessarily even like killing. Um, I know, saw in the comics, that too. He's in love I got with that death. too. I got that but, too. Like, the, yeah, I mean, the movie does a really good job of being like he, outside of when it's absolutely necessary, whether you know it's Loki betraying him, or you know chasing his goal of randomly killing half of people. He's just like, I mean, he he could kill people all throughout that movie, uh, and I think it does a good job of explaining well. Well, he has all the power of these stones already. Like the power stone alone, he should be able to just kill people. But he doesn't like to. I mean, he doesn't kill Drax and Mantis when he uses the reality stone on them. He doesn't kill Peter Quill when he has the chance. Right. Um, 
he only kills when his life is actually threatened or there's a chance of him being defeated or failing killed. His mission, and so, or failing his mission, right. And so it's not like he's a madman who just loves killing. He just logically see he sees an out where it's like half of the people need to die and it should be random and that's fair and then the people that are left can prosper. So I, I think it did a good job of being like – and also explaining how the gauntlet worked. Like I like <laughs> – there were so many scenes of them not letting him close his hand. Because it like gave a a limit to how the gauntlet worked that didn't just make it an instant win button. Wait, um, what? Well, like a lot of times they were keeping him from because like he had to like make a fist to activate any of the stones. A lot of times. So so therefore what? Spider Man webbed it open. Iron Man used his little like robot thing to keep it open. They were like oh! ripping it. It was just a lot of scenes of that. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's clever. That's really because yeah, there were a lot of times. I think it was Doctor Strange or someone yelled at one point. They were like, "Don't let him close his fist," and they were like, "Yeah, starting on Captain Titan." Yeah, interesting. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. I love when movies are smart like that. The Russos <laughs> certainly do pay attention to detail, um, in in a really in a really good way. Um, okay, interesting, interesting. All right, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Um, I, I'll give you about seventy five percent that I can agree to that, I'm, or the movie. I'll give seventy five percent that I could agree to that. That he's just gotten tunnel vision. Um, I'll go with it, although I still think there should have been a little more selling of his madness or what has driven him to want to – I don't know. It just seems weird that – anyway, well, we'll move on. So let's talk about some of the other characters in the movie and how we felt their performances were. Now, obviously, you know, nobody could be as, as well-served as maybe they would in a, in a solo film or even a two- or three-person team-up. Um, but let's talk about some people. I'll give you – I'll start and say I didn't like Spider-Man in this, and I don't know what it was exactly. Um, but there's something about his character just – when he was on screen, I wasn't having a good time. I didn't feel like he brought the the same – and I loved him in Homecoming. I really enjoy him. I like him as Spider-Man. But in this movie, I just didn't really like anything that he did. The only scene that I thought was really compelling with him is when he begged for his life at the end. I thought that was very realistic for a kid who isn't really ready to deal with death yet and really shouldn't be dying, like less than anybody who has, um, except maybe Teen Groot. Um, but you know, these, that part moved me, but other than that, the Spider-Man stuff kind of fell flat for me. What did you guys think? I, I, mean, I like Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, I, I didn't really think there was a major change in his character or anything. He still is, you know, being rash and, you know, wants to get into things more than he's capable of. And, you know, Iron Man has to be like the dad to him kind of. Um, so I didn't really have a problem with it, but I mean, I can see, yeah, was I more interested in, like, Iron Man, Doctor Strange there? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I thought it, like, I liked the Iron Spider suit a lot. That was cool. Yeah, it was yeah. cool seeing that. Yeah, I don't know. I will cool. say, like, again, as someone who thought the Doctor Strange movie wasn't that great, uh, yeah, I thought Doctor Strange actually got to be a fun character here. Um, you know, I, my big problem with Doctor Strange the movie is it's just... Um, He's a very different character in that. It's like he's just kind of like I don't I don't want to be a sorcerer supreme for that whole movie. And then in this, he just gets to do it and do cool magic stuff and have a lot of fun scenes. So yeah, I was I was happy about that. I was like same thing like I said with Thor. Yeah. Um, and you know Iron Man. I feel like it's really easy, especially watching all those movies um, over the years, to just take for granted how entertaining robert downey jr is but yeah i mean he's done a good job of changing the character and layering the performance over the many many years he's done it now i mean this is his eighth starring role it as, blew a, my as mind. 
it blew Tony my mind. Stark. His performance blew my mind. You know, I went into this thinking, man, Tony Stark and Iron Man is so goddamn long in the tooth. Like, I am so sick of seeing him. I'm so tired of him. I, You know, thinking back on him in Age of Ultron and in other movies, I was like, man, and especially Civil War. I was like, man, I don't feel like seeing any more Tony Stark. And the minute he got on the screen with Pepper, I was like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and then, bam, I was fully in. He has this amazing charisma grounding property to things he just makes it feel so real and good and compelling and interesting i mean he he makes what 20 million a movie or something ridiculous and he earns every penny i mean he is that important it's like ryan seacrest um to use a very weird example on american idol like he earns every penny of his salary <laughs> because he's just so good at, at at what he does um and and tony stark's the same way i mean i just really was impressed with him um and I wasn't expecting to be. Um, Cap 2, when Cap came on screen, I really saw and felt the heroism. Even though he doesn't have a ton of lines and, a ton, and really any character development, I felt his heroism tremendously when he came on screen, a little bit like the Rogue, but everybody in my theater was cheering. It was that moment. It was the moment when Thor smashed down with his hammer after all of that build-up and that tension had built, and he finally comes in with that badass hammer that or axe. That was the point at which like the theater erupted, and those were just a couple of like the really good moments um, that I, that I super enjoyed. But yeah, Iron Man kills it, and then Doctor Strange and uh, I said this before, but Doctor Strange and Thor were my two favorite characters in the movie. I thought that they were just tremendously fun, and watching Thor call uh, Rocket, um, uh, you you wonderful rabbit, was it? <laughs> rabbit, yeah. yeah, yeah, you wonderful rabbit. Uh, I love that, and then uh, just their whole dynamic and interplay was interesting. Rocket's always good. Um, and, and then also, um, Dr. Strange, I just really think those two characters came into their own in this, uh, group setting, um, and definitely had way more airtime than, than most of the other heroes too. Yeah. I think part of, part of what helped with, with Iron Man was just that he got to play off a bunch of new characters, mm-hmm. um, and tested new dynamics, which was throughout the movie. Um, I, you know, for me, I loved seeing uh wakanda again just because i mean yeah we we just saw it the second time on tuesday night which again we contributed to that boost in the box office this week uh because you know is the time to see it one more time Mm -hmm. um but for me i was honestly really happy with the guardians characters Uh, again after not loving guardians 2 i thought um while still appreciating that there is a lot going on in that movie it's just not the most fun to watch I thought this good did a good job of pushing the relationships and developing the characters nicely. I really liked Rocket in this. Peter Quill was was used really well, both yeah. in, you know, his maturity, because he actually, with a little, you know, hesitation, was willing to kill Gamora to save the universe. And then uh, on the fact that, yeah, he's still him, and he lost his mind when he found out what happened. So I thought he, he got to do a lot of good work. Um, I mean, everyone at this point is pretty well into their characters, with the exception of maybe, you know, Doctor Strange, who's still kind of finding the voice, but I think did a really good job in this movie. Um, I'd be more excited Why for a Doctor Strange. Why are you so Dr. hard on him, man? Why are you so hard on Doctor Strange? What is it about that character that every time, you, you, you know, what is it? What do you mean he hasn't found his voice? I want to understand. Well, it's only a second move. Well, third, I guess, if you if you throw in his Thor cameo scene. Um, but no, I just he again. I found it well, very unremarkable. You don't say that about, don't say Dark, that about Peter Strange. Parker. You know what I mean? And he's just had two and a half movies. You know. <clears throat> I just didn't like Doctor Strange's solo film that much. It's again, it's like a really watchable movie. I've every time I see it, I'm like, 
this was a watchable film, but it's ne- it never blows me away outside of the visual stuff. And I just feel like his character has to be such a wet blanket for so much of that movie that it's nice to see him get to have excitement for his sorcerer life in Thor Ragnarok and then in this even more so. Mm. I love the I see with him I I just get this this high off watching him demonstrate his expertise. I think if there's one core of that character that speaks to me and he always speaks to me this way, it's just his his deafness. And you know, I, when I always talked about Doctor Strange movie, I talked about that as a broken man um trying to refine his purpose in life. He's somebody who always studies incredibly hard and has to be the best. And having him be the Sorcerer Supreme, one of these very incredibly powerful superheroes, and then just have this tremendous capacity for reading, soaking up knowledge, and then applying that to these arts. Um, I just find that fascinating. And when I watch him, you know, flashing forward to the future and looking at all the possibilities and using that incredible brain of his that was once a medical brain and putting it towards, um, you know, the, these these his sorcery, I just find that really compelling. And then when he talks, he has such a confidence to him. I don't know. I just well, as, yeah, a, I as feel a counterpoint, that. yeah. No, like I said, I feel that in this movie, I don't think any of that was there in Doctor Strange. He was doing the studying, but he was a pretty, uh, like they kept saying he was a good wizard, but I, you know, a lot of it, and this this is not a hundred percent accurate. It's more a joke, but a lot of it comes down to he has the dumbest looking weapon where he has his little taffy whip thing. What is <laughs> but it? I don't remember. He's it. just like he does that. He like pulls. He makes the mystical energy ball. He like pulls it apart like taffy, and then he just sort of like whips it at people. Oh. And I just wish they would give him a better main <laughs> weapon. I like it when he does that thing where he bursts into a bunch of different Doctor Stranges in this movie. Man, was that cool? Yeah, that was great. That was that was. Sweet. I like it with the circular like I don't know like the force field energy type thing that he and Wong do. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had some really good combat scenes. Um, I just like yeah. that he mixes it up. I think that's another part that I like is, you know, a lot of superheroes, and and again, this isn't, none of these statements that I make are, like, coming from a completely rational perspective. It's just the way I feel when I see it. And when I see Doctor Strange, I, I, I see, it just feels very different from any of the other MCU stuff. Like, very definitively so. And I like that. I like it. It feels, it feels novel and new. Um, and then Thor, man, he is just so charismatic. As far as, like, a likable character, boy, have I come to just like him. Um, and it's funny that he's the one movie that I haven't seen the sequel. I never saw part two. And everybody has told me so much, don't bother, that I just never did it. Um, and it's the, I one, mean, it's the one I missed in theaters. Is it at all enjoyable? Will I have some fun watching it? I mean, I if you like... Go ahead, Jordan. Oh, I was gonna say, if you liked the first Thor, it does give more of that to some extent. I mean, I he had a supporting cast that they no longer care about, um, but I, I I liked it all right. I mean, I don't like it. I'm not going to pretend it's a great movie, but I do think it has enough there that it's like worth watching at least once. Okay, because I do need to do that. I had it on Blu-ray for a long time just sitting there, and I eventually sold it, which is crazy but true. Um, but I, I'm going to pick that up and watch it because, you know, I, I just feel like I've seen every MCU movie and a couple of them twice, and I to not have seen that one is just a, a startling omission. Um, but anyway, uh, I, you know, I just love what he's become in Thor Ragnarok so much, and I just love that movie so much um, that I, I just I just thought it was mm, really really entertaining. I'm trying to think what else we need to talk about in here. Um, okay, let's, I will say like, so Hulk is one of my favorites, and I thought the whole thing of him not being able to turn the Hulk was dumb and not necessary. <laughs> uh, I think they could have really done with that because it just like I mean like. It, it seems like every movie they have him, he's always struggling with something. And I love him as a character. I love Mark Ruffalo in that role. Um, and I even like the Incredible Hulk movie. For I mean, it's grand. They've like I mean, other aside from 
his existence and the fact they brought William Hurt back, they've pretty much ignored that movie entirely. But I still think it's fine. Um, it has its problems there, but I think it's decent. But I, this one, like with him, uh, like he's the one, you know, coming back to warn um, Strange and Wong that Thanos is coming and all that. And then from there on, you know, like it was funny at first when he couldn't turn the Hulk and Iron Man says, you know, hey, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. You know, that, that, like, that got a big laugh out of everyone in theater. Um, but after that, it just like, I'm like, come on, can you not just get, you know, it, like it was kind of fun seeing him in the Hulkbuster suit, but whatever. I would have rather them just got over that quickly and he could turn the Hulk and we don't have to waste time on this because um, I just want to see him full go full Hulk, take on, bunch, like in, in the Wakanda battle, that would have been really cool. Um, you, know, but... you, you know what looked really ridiculous? And tell me if you thought so too. All the special effects in this movie were ma- magnificent, except when he pops the top on the Hulkbuster armor and he's just like hanging out up there. Did you yeah. see that? I, I didn't mind that. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say anytime the Hulk would like face pop out of him. I thought that, that was, oh, that was, I hated it. That, that was um, a little ridiculous too. I, yeah. Again, my complaint with that is more just that, because, and I think this is, again, I get this complaint about, about not fully explaining stuff. It's just if they'd given a little more reason as to why it was happening, again, I assume it's just because he got bodied, but it doesn't, he never is like, I don't, he's like, I'm scared, or I'm sure there'll be scenes like that in the next one. It's just, yeah, yeah it was a weird thing. Um, I My bigger problem is just, and part of it is from Thor Ragnarok, which, you know, not to keep ragging on the ones you like, but they've made him such a, like, Mr. Magooish, doddering professor type that he's really? just like, yeah, they've, like, they've, 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 it feels like they've just goofballed him up so much, especially in Ragnarok where everyone was goofballed up, but he seems to still be on that, whereas Thor kind of got to have a little bit more seriousness he just i don't know there's something about the performance oh that oh, oh like. i'm sorry i lost i lost my train of thought absolutely they did magoo the shit out of him i'm sorry yes yeah yeah he's um, so doddering you're so right it's almost like they yeah. realized that joke about how like mark ruffalo's older than anybody else in the cast and even if he isn't older than uh um iron Downey. man right yeah he still looks older or seems older somehow um and and like when he was like oh look at all these like young hunks and then there's me it's it's like somehow they like grabbed a hold of that in the writers' room or whoever makes these decisions and was like we need to make him like you said doddering. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting decision they made for him. But yeah, he's like the old guy, and he he isn't that old. It's weird. No, uh, yeah. So that that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, again, it is it is a bummer just that um, Cap and Falcon and Scar- uh, Black Widow didn't get that much to do. Though I did enjoy that Scarlet Witch and Vision actually got a, again a mini arc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. They were good, right? Did you guys enjoy them? I love yeah. Vision Scarlet Witch, so I mean, I'm always excited to see more. Than, you know, and yeah, I thought they did actually did get more of a. I was fine with like a lot of these characters, the newer characters, getting more attention. Me too. Than, um, because I mean, they've done such a good job with Cap and all them in the Captain America trilogy that like I'm fine with. I was totally fine with them just fighting in this one and you know being there just you know for. As like, know, as like as like the Titans as like the Titans right, right. holding that down. I had no problem with. I was I, I would I'm glad they focused more on Strange, the Guardians, um, Vision, Scarlet Witch, etc. It was weird that Black Panther was so relegated to the background, didn't you think? I mean, Wakanda played big, but he was unless I missed he it. He was, but I, but at the same time, I can't really think of anything else that they would have had him do to make it more expensive. Because yeah. if you think of, he has a lot more to do in Civil War, um, and he got a big role. I mean. That's the thing, like, I mean, I know he really took off with his solo movie, 
But, I mean, I've rewatched Civil War multiple times, and he plays a vital role in that more so than Cameo. So. Well, a lot of people. I mean, most people have bigger roles in Civil War uh, yeah, that are yeah. in this. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. So much of the movie. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to cut this movie down, you could probably cut most of the Earth scenes. Not all of them. But, you know, you could you could cut it down there. I think the space sure. stuff obviously is way more important to the overall plot. It's basically just we're going to show that Vision's in trouble and we're kind of going to kind of stall out till we get to the Wakanda battle. Sure. Boy, that Wakanda battle goes on for a long time. Yikes. All right. Um, so so what let's talk a little bit about Fallout um, and uh, and what and going forward as well. So let's talk about deaths, character deaths. What do you guys think about all that stuff? So we got technically we have Loki, Heimdall, um, Gamora, and the Vision, and then at the very end, you know, fifteen more people. But like, you know, how about those four? Do you think first of all, what did you think of those deaths? Second of all, do you think any of those will be retconned, or do you think those will stand? And then, yeah. Um, I think Heimdall and Loki are probably just dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Heimdall was interesting to me just because there was um, a theory going around that he might have the Soul Stone in him, which didn't pan out, obviously. But, but you know, he just kind of got punked out pretty quickly. I think Idris Elba has been pretty much, like, uninterested in playing this contracted <laughs> role for a while. Right. Um, he's busy, and Loki, he's right busy being the gunslinger, brah. Yeah. Laying and then down. what do you do with Loki at this point, other than reiterate the he betrays Thor a lot storyline? Because really they already did that in Thor Ragnarok. They did it for like the fourth time. So like giving giving him that heroic arc and death, I think it would have played better if Thor Ragnarok had been a little more serious and and sold that he was actually making a turn to good a little better. But but no, they they did a good job of giving him a heroic ending. Okay, um, so there's those. How about Gamora's death? That one hit me. Oh, yeah. That was... I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like if they're going to retcon any of the deaths that happened before um, the snapping of the fingers, I feel like she has a good chance. But at the same time, well, it was hard to see her die. Like, I kind of feel like there should be some, you know, definite repercussions here. And so, like, I feel like the ones that die before the snapping of the fingers are more likely to stay dead. I don't uh, see though. I don't see how you're going to take how you're going to have a Guardians movie without her though. She's so yeah. essential. Like I don't get how you do that. Do you guys think it's possible? I think it's possible, but I do think she'll come back. I think it's kind of implicitly made a clear that her soul is in the Soul Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be I think room to bring her back at the very least. Um Vision could go either way. Um you know, he Paul Bettany's <laughs> Paul so, Bettany's been around as long as anyone in the MCU since he's been yeah. there since Iron Man one two. But uh, you know, he has who he might was still he in enjoy... those? I'm 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 blank. He's Jarvis. Oh right, right. Remember, because right. they take aspects of Jarvis and Ultron and all that to create Vision because so he plays yeah. the com- yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he is. He's, um, he's hardcore, old school. You're right. I, I like that he was human in, in the beginning, looking. That was cool, by the way. Yeah, yeah that was. I like to see. Um, Go ahead. I, but of those four, yeah, I could uh, see them. I think Gabor is the biggest toss-up. Uh, I think Vision hasn't been so integral to any of the movies no. that he couldn't go he could, away he permanently. Could go, he could go and be a male fridge for um, for Scarlet Witch. You know, like a real driver. <laughs> 
but the I, th- I think the big question is obviously what the fallout's going to be of all those deaths. And, right. and yeah, the, the, the most cynical view is that they'll all come back and they probably will. Um, outside of if, if people are like, they just don't want to do any more movies and they're like, but I, I don't think they'll stay dead so much as they'll just stop showing up. Um, to me, it's more just because the big question going into this is everyone was like, who's going to die? Is Cap going to die? Is Iron Man going to yeah. die? But by the time it became clear they weren't going to see each, even see each other in this movie, it was pretty clear because that relationship has to play out at the very right. least. Um, the relationship is broken. They have to reconcile. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, so even I mean that's not to say I didn't gasp when he got stabbed through the gut. <laughs> like I was like oh, a oh, tense that, moment. Yeah, that, that, oh, that my yeah, theater was my times. theater was ripped. Yep. My theater. Yeah, was like they they happened. could have killed Iron Man there, but um, the, in a the thing movie in a different movie that ended a different way and was going into a different place, it would have been a really good end for him, um, like a really compelling, strong pow ending. Um, but that's not the movie they're making really at any point. But I, I mean, and I never really thought just because there's two movies and while you could have time travel or whatever in the next one to fiddle with it, I, I didn't think either of them were going to die in this movie. But I do think what that, was your prediction on death going in? I mean, I didn't really have one. hazard a guess. I mean, you know, anyone could have died outside of um, I mean, really, anyone could have died. They they because everyone has shot scenes for the next movie. I think the majority of the people are just going to be coming back from death at the end of it. But you know, I I think that my my big prediction is that they're going to have to undo things, and I think it's going to be like the Soul Stone, a soul for a soul. I think the the betting money would be either Tony or Cap, if not both, are going to have to kill themselves to bring everyone back. Um, like make the sacrifice the play sacrifice yeah. right yeah um, which would play off of which this movie did a lot it played off of lines and things from the first avengers so i could see the next one doing that um i think it's cap if it's anybody because you know tony at least has a happy ending he's the oldest hero of the universe and i think he did he probably would deserve that happy ending cap really has nothing to live for right at right. this point he would That's sacrifice himself for the last universe. night when i was talking about it afterwards I was like, yeah, like he has, um, and even in Civil War, he kind of said he's like, I've been on my own since I was eighteen. Like, I mean, he, yeah, he's just fighting just because that's all he, he knows how to do at this and, point, and because he's got to do the right thing, and you know, he yeah, has, he has stuff that he stands for, like a mirror, right? Oh, yeah, but right. you know, but also, I, I don't know, I guess Tony. So I was reading some some pundit talking about this, and their their takeaway was that they're pretty convinced that Tony's gonna. This is that the next movie is the last Tony Stark. Um, but they said that they expect that he'll either die or, um, you know, go off to happily ever after with Pepper in a very, like, finale kind of way. Um, and they, their thought was that it's much more likely that they'll go the latter route and have him just go get married and, like, start a life because – and take out the Iron Man thing – because um, that way they can pull him off the bench if – I think the guy's comment was reviews ever – I mean, um, uh, ratings start flagging in the future, you know. And they need to bring I mean, Tony he's back. getting up there, though, is, like, the thing. I mean, he's not super old, but he's, like, 54. He still looks um, good, but yeah. He does still look good, but, you know, give him another decade, which, not. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to, he might age great. He might look like uh, Kurt Russell, but. <laughs> right, or, he, or Michael Douglas, I mean, you know. Um, My thought, like, if I were going to go with the two predictions, I would assume I, Tony would be willing to do it, and then Cap would stop him and do it himself. 
Um, or there's always the potential, again, it's original six Avengers, there's six Infinity Stones, maybe they'll do the, like, End of Guardians 1 sort of thing, and then maybe they'll just kill all of them. Uh, but probably not that. Yeah, I, I don't know. So so what do you think was went on behind the scenes? Let's get into conjecture mode. What do you think went on behind the scenes in the lead-up to this movie? So what we know, and I know less of this than you guys do, but what we know is that originally it was Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, and they were going to come out year one one year and one the next year and it was gonna be this big like five hour bonanza and then all of a sudden it got announced that um no longer was this called infinity war part one and that the two were going to be very distinctly separate movies i think they started saying that um and then that became the deal and and i was always like dark and confused about kind of what happened there what do you guys think happened behind the scenes what do you how do you think that informs what's going to happen going forward I mean, I don't think we really, we don't have any access to any of the conversations that happen, but I think Infinity War Part 1 just sounds clunky for it to begin with. And, um, I mean, look at Harry but, Potter and the De- you know, Deathly Hallows Part yeah, 2 where it smashes. I mean, it's just I mean, as, it's a happened, but, as a yeah, counterpoint. As a counterpoint. For the one film that's done that successfully, look at literally any young ad- other young adult yeah. adaptation it's that tried to spin its last yeah. book. So you think sheerly commercial, they basically are Infinity War 1 and 2, and they just decided to rebrand it. That's it. Well, no, I think they're going to be very different feeling movies. I think they meant that when they said it. I think it. you just, again, look at the cast. I think they're going to be tonally different. I think it's going to be more focused on the heroes next time around. What do you mean um, look at the cast? What What is the casting difference? All well, the I mean, dead people? Yeah. Oh, so you, well, you don't <laughs> think they're just going to come back call. real quick? No, I don't think they're oh, coming gosh, back no, to like yeah. the very last ten minutes of the movie. Oh, I think wow. it's going to be okay. It's so going to be a. F- you didn't say that. I mean, how do I, I can't guess that that's what you. Were no, like I said earlier, I think this was the movie that's the big spectacle where we bring everyone together and we have the big battles and we have all the character interact or all the like fun interactions. The next movie is going to focus back in and be about the core six Avengers with a few others. And I mean, there's going to be characters in that one that aren't in this one. Hawkeye, obviously Ant-Man and the Wasp are um, in the cast. So is Captain Marvel. And then you'll have a few others like Rocket and maybe Nebula hanging out. But I, I feel like the next movie is about hunting Thanos down and potentially making a new Infinity Gauntlet because that the one Thanos had looked pretty roughed up by yeah, the... Yeah, uh, it did. Spe- as soon as he snapped his fingers, yeah. Speaking of that. which, speaking of which, what do you guys think of uh, Dinklage? I thought he was pretty good. He was cool. I mean, he was only in it for like five minutes. Oh, but, I thought he was... Um, I don't know. I mean, was, in a movie this busy, I mean, he had a sizable role. He was in like four or five scenes. Go ahead. Three or four. It was a little... It was a he, he, it was a weird effect to make him giant, but yeah, it, I don't know. Like I knew it was him right away because I knew he was going to be in it and he was cool seeing. Yeah. There were a lot of people in the theater didn't even catch that that was him until that maybe, blows my mind. People are nuts if they don't know that that's him. Like he is so yeah. clearly Peter Dinklage that it blows my mind. Oh, I know it. Yeah, I mean, but but yeah, he was cool. I mean, I like. Um, but you weren't I, like taken aback and thought, "Wow, that looks terrible" or anything. No, I thought I thought it was really cool. Cool. Me too, Jordan. Um, he was there. I mean, he served his role. It it wasn't, you know, it didn't blow me away. It was it was just Dinklage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, so you think that that the next movie is going to be the new heroes like like Captain Marvel and uh, Ant Man and the Wasp and these the six core people, a little bit of these extra people that we know are alive still, like Rocket. 
um, and then they just fight throughout the whole movie, and then by the end are able to save the day. But you think those people, like Black Panther's out till the end, Doctor Strange is out till the end. That's what you think. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, to to, to immediately change that, that would, would be you know, really cheapen yeah. the ending of this movie. There has to be yeah. a period. It has to be a struggle. It has to be a fight. I think. I mean, I think it's going to get darker before it gets better because I'm pretty sure they're going to like. I think Ant Man and. Uh, Hawkeye are going to come back because they had to see their family disintegrate before their eyes. Interesting. So what do you guys think about that whole thing? So what? Are, let's talk about other movies. So what comes out before um, Infinity War 2? Well, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is next, and that's Captain gonna, Marvel they, after that. Yeah, and it, they both take place way before the events of Infinity War because Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place right after Civil War, which is two years ago. Um, and they follow like us in real time, so that was two years ago. Captain Marvel, as we said, in the 90s. Um, so, yeah, those... Re- and then Avengers 4 is next May, I think. So we got Ant-Man and the Wasp in a few months. We've got Captain Marvel early 2019? Yeah, yeah, like next March, I think. So she's the Black Panther slot next year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then what's the... Is it Homecoming? Is that the third one next year? Homecoming is right after Avengers, yeah. Okay. Got it. So we know Spider-Man's coming back, at the very least. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, I know, but you know, I mean, the point no, is, it's definitive. That's the point. Unless right, they right. decide to go uh, Miles Morales and pull the biggest twist of all time. <laughs> that would um, be pretty good. That'd be but... neat. I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's very many reasons why that can't happen that I just don't. I'm, I'm not thinking of right now. Okay. Um. So, what do you think of the uh, the um the, the Ant Man and the Wasp movie? You think that's going to be good? Do you think it's going to have anything to do with this? I don't. I mean, maybe a post credit scene. Um, yeah. I think it'll be good because Ant-Man is, you know, like my second favorite Marvel movie. <laughs> That's crazy. That is so, so crazy. I, I enjoy I, Ant-Man a lot. I think it's I really, like it a lot it too, very but like for, for, yeah. what, for what your first favorite is, they're so dramatically different. And for some of the um, ones that you so don't like um, are very similar, maybe not as well executed in your mind, but, but it's interesting. That's all. Ant-Man totally. has stakes. Thor doesn't. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I stand by that feeling. But no, I just – look, I can't explain it. I don't know why. Every time I watch Ant-Man, I laugh. I love it. I like that world and that cast of characters. I, It just works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's cool. Um, no argument there. It's a great movie. Um, I mean aside from uh, um, the Wasp or what is his name? Uh, the, the Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket. Um, I like the actor. Um, but <laughs> I think Corey Stoll does fine. I have to see that again. I mean he, all I'm saying is he's like, you know, uh, Exhibit A – of like the uh, the the Marvel villain problem, like whenever these people, what? whenever whenever people talk about it, I'm not saying I say it. I'm saying that whenever people like IGN or any of those punditry places talk about it, they always say like Corey Stahl is the most like unremarkable Marvel typical villain. I you know, I I, I've seen it once that in a world where Malekith exists. Right, right. Well, I haven't uh, seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But no, I don't know. I Ant Man. I don't know, that still has my favorite thing where he literally does, like, Iron Man 2 was all about how no one else could make an Iron Man suit, and he essentially does one that shrinks, and everyone's just kind of like, meh, in that movie. <laughs> and that's just ridiculous to me. That's, um, that's really cool. But no, I, I, I'm looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, I think it's going to expand on it pretty well. Uh, Hannah John Kamen is playing the villain, and she's a great actress, so What's hopefully uh, Killjoys. She's oh, like the right. she's lead great. actress. I love her. Um, I'm hoping they'll continue Marvel's streak of better villains uh, yeah. and give her some good motivation. You also got Lawrence Fishburne in there. 
Um, and, you know, he's probably going to give it his all because he actually approached Marvel about being in a Marvel movie because he likes them so much. Awesome. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Probably uh, Captain Marvel. Matt Mads was probably like, yo, Lawrence, dude, give them a call, man. Kaisilius <laughs> ain't isn't great either. Right. Okay, cool. Um, uh, so what else do we have to say about this? Oh, yeah, we, we, we talked about theories going forward, so we, we kind of got that all, all that ground covered. Um, so I guess just final thoughts. Um, how does it do, – have you guys ranked it yet, or is it way too soon? No, I, no, yeah, I couldn't I, even I, – I, I couldn't even begin to think of where to put it because it's such a different – and again, I think incomplete story. It's a complete Thanos story because the hero got what he wanted at the end. Uh, but like, it's, it's obviously going to continue, and it's just – uh, until I see it a few more times, it, it's just a hard one. I think it's separate from anything that's ever been made before. It's yeah. it is a comic book event film, and there's never really been one anything like that. How do you uh, could you could you go on and, and and fill that out a little bit more? What do you mean by that? I mean it's just there's never been a movie like this. Even like Avengers no, a is comic a... book event film. I mean that's Avengers, is it not? No, that's just a team up movie. I mean that's just. You know, an issue of Avengers, it's just on the big screen. But this is like, it's all the crossover. It's every corner of the world. It's random scenes. It's like, it's like, you know, Secret Wars or um, Civil War would be closer if, again, it had that big cast. It's just, it, it's every part of the universe coming oh, together in one storyline. Okay, so you're doing, you're doing, um, you're talking about um, analogous to a comic book ev summer event. As yes. Okay, got it. Because I was thinking you were talking about it's an event movie, where an Avengers one is clearly an event movie. But you mean like like I get what you mean now. What brings the whole universe together in a in a and changes everything fundamentally, like comics do every summer. Yeah, and I think that in a way that's it reaching its goal because it does things exactly like an event would. Characters just show up for one scene to do sometimes nothing but be there but you know it's entertaining um it's exciting like the first comic book events would have been if this type of movie was coming out every year it wouldn't be but but it's singular in that way and that makes it exciting and different and new so when i finished seeing it in my theater um the crowd there this one girl behind us was like loud and i think a little bit um tipsy and she screams oh my god i am gonna send stanley a strongly worded letter why do you understand Lee? I know, I know. Yeah, that's right, what's Kevin funny. Feige. That's what's funny is like that. That, but I'm just saying that that's such a perfect encapsulation. I was saving that gem because it's such a perfect encapsulation uh, of like hilarious. an average moviegoer, you know, thinking like that. I, that I, was I, like who you'd complain to. I had two next to me. I wish I had heard that because that's fantastic. They yeah. were and they had the same kind of reaction, but like, oh, that that's hilarious. Well, though. another guy yeah. in my theater, and he was like, you know, you're. Your your comic book like aficionado, but like on a different level than like Jordan or you are, like a little less knowledgeable, you know. Um, but like still super geeky about comics. You know the type I'm talking about. Um, they may yeah. not read a ton of comics, but they're super into the MCU. That type of person. Um, yeah. And he was just like, oh man. I thought there were going to be at least 10 more minutes. And I just thought that was a really naive statement. I was like, I did not think there were going to be 10 more minutes. Not at all. I'm like, what? That was just going to fix that? You know, like that. Uh, first of all, the movie already felt like, you know, it was, it was a long movie. I mean, I'm not saying it. Well, anyway, that's my own opinion. But, you know, this guy was just like, there should have been 10 more minutes. And I just thought to myself, like, did you see the movie I just saw? Like, that isn't the movie we saw, you know, where, where there's 10 more minutes and they fix I mean, you don't make a cataclysmic decision like that and fix it in ten minutes, but whatever. Nah. And then, and then, like somebody was just like, "Did uh, did Fury call Superman at the end?" 
Are you kidding? Yeah, oh, yes! They didn't realize what the logo was. Um, and then, of course, this this uh, comic book aficionado guy in the front, not comic book, comic movie aficionado, goes, it was Captain Marvel. That was her symbol. And like, like it was anyway. It was hard to it was hard to take for a moment. But That's anyway, yeah. anyway, it, I mean, it's entertaining. I, I shouldn't take it take it to heart. Um, but it was it was a fun uh, it was a fun experience. But man, Thursday night at the uh, at the old movie theater to see the latest uh, you know fun popcorn flick was certainly different. Um, when Avengers: Infinity War is in town, man, they, it was a bold choice. It was really bold. Do you think this mm-hmm. was the best version of this movie it could have been? I mean, there's always, you know, like, I mean, there's things I would have done different. Like I said, you know, take out the whole thing and then, um, you know, pace it a little more. But I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, because like I said, on a fanboy level, I enjoyed every minute. On a critical level, yeah, I have some issues. But at the same time, I don't really know how I would fix them. Because, um, I mean, like it, it was everything I wanted to be from um, a crossover, from an event to a bold ending. Got me perfectly excited for the next installment. All of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, probably there are things I would tweak, but at the same time, I wouldn't really know where to start there. I thought yeah. they did as good a job as they could have. And, and, and building off what you just said, I would agree um, in that I don't think, I know I couldn't have made a better superhero movie on this kind of scale. It wouldn't be what I'd try to do anyway, but I couldn't do it. Um, but the thing that impresses me by far the most was the balancing act of this movie. Can you imagine how many cuts and how many how many times they went through this movie with a fine-tooth comb to, like, just get the, the... You know how they always have little things like we got to come into the scene as late as possible and leave as early as possible? You guys have heard that concept, right? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, just all the, that kind of thought but and all the other thoughts they had on how to keep the momentum strong, how to service all of these characters. I think I heard it's 27, like, legit characters in this movie. How to service that kind of crowd. And I heard some reviewer, I think I mentioned it earlier, call it, like, a mixtape of the MCU. And I think that perfectly encapsulates it. And I think they did... Of all the things I would say are great about this movie, I'd say the villain is great. I'd say a lot of the cast members are great. Doctor Strange and Thor are great. But number one with a bullet is how well they balanced all the different characters, I thought. I thought that was masterful and, and just so difficult. The degree of difficulty on this movie is astronomical. And that they pulled it off as well as they did is just really a feat. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's your takeaway overall, Jordan? I don't know. I just... I enjoyed it. Um, it it was it was fun. I still wonder what it's going to be like uh, on repeat viewings or what it's going to do to stick the landing next year. But I enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's not I think the best Marvel film probably, um, but I think it is their most ambitious, and I think that they managed to accomplish so much so well. Uh, is is impressive. I do get, you know, some people aren't going to like this movie just because it is arguably, especially for the heroes, a lot of backseat uh, superheroing and a lot of um, not major screen time. So I think there are things to be disappointed in. But I do think it is a case of the filmmakers knowing what they wanted to do with this movie and executing it. Um, that would be my assumption because I, I, I feel like the choices were very deliberate in how they handled it. And, uh, you know, we'll see next year if it all pays off. What do you, uh, you and me, I remember what it was that I was, I'm feeling, I was feeling a little unsatisfied um, by some of the stuff I wanted to hear from you. And, and I, now I remember what it is that's gnawing at me. At the beginning, you said that when you left the theater, you're, you were very much positive. I remember you tweeted that, that like you left feeling like, wow, that was amazing. I had a great time. But then as you think about it more and read about it more, some things have come to light. 
Um, what were those things? Well, that's a light. It's not like there was controversy. It's no, just, you know what I mean. Things you thought it, of that were maybe not about perfect. it. I mean, it has deficiencies as a movie. You can't you 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 can't just watch this movie because it doesn't stand alone at all. I mean, even more so than a lot of the other crossovers because you could watch Avengers without having seen any other movies. You can do that with Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, you could definitely do it better with Civil War, but this is a movie that demands you've seen the majority of the previous 17 films that have come out. Um, and, and you know, again, to do all that, it's like, it's a very, it doesn't stand alone at all, so it does have some deficiencies, but I again, I think those are deficiencies they're okay with, because I think they were like, this is a movie for fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and at this point, that's most people. Right, <laughs> um, right. You know, I for think all different reason, reasons. Yeah, I mean, the reasons this movie is doing so well um, is because it brings together three very disparate audiences. It brings together the people that love Avengers. It brings together the fans of Guardians. And there are audiences that just go see the Guardians films. I know some uh, of those people, yeah. And then it also banks big on Black Panther, which also brought in a new section of audience that is coming back to see Black Panther again, awesome. like just a few months later. So that's all the things that are contributing to why it is now the highest grossing opening weekend of any movie ever. Um, and maybe if you're coming in as a Black Panther fan, you'd probably be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> not I mean, a lot of Black Panther. You, but then you could just walk into the other theater and just watch Black Panther again because there's yeah. it's been so recent. And then you could also go back and watch, you know, his first movie, Civil War, and definitely better served as a Guardians fan since this picks up on plot threads from the first two Guardians pretty well mm. uh, uh, but you know it's 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 a movie that I loved but I couldn't if someone said they hated it or they didn't like it you know I think there are legitimate reasons to dislike this movie for for being so incomplete on either end outside of the Thanos narrative but I loved it and, and for me I think that's enough nice nice um, Kevin any final thoughts no, other than, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we kind of we kind of laid it all we we put it all to bed. Okay, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, well, I'd say we all definitely enjoyed it. Um, and uh, to different degrees and for different reasons, but in the end, is definitely a success for them. And just look at the box office if you want to be convinced of that, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, on that note, why don't we dive into what we're watching next and then where you can find us? So, uh, what are you watching next? Or, who's ready? I can go. Um. I'm going to watch Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. Oh, that's yeah. right. Um, that's right. <laughs> got that next one. Uh, rent it. Um, well, let's see. Is that today? I, maybe, yeah, after I write for a while. Um, and then, let's see, reading. What am I? Um, always a lot of Rebirth stuff. Um, I'm also going through, like, New 52-wise, I'm going through Tomasi and Gleason's um, Batman and Robin run. Um and I forgot to mention that I read Action Comics 1000 this week, oh, so yeah. that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Jordan, you got anything? Um, I mean, movie-wise, I'm. I'd still like to try and see A Quiet Place. Uh, yeah, good. At some point, Kevin seen um, it twice now, miraculously. Um, but probably Deadpool 2 is the next movie I'll go see. When is that? Uh, May 18th. Oh, it's soon, yeah. That's real soon. You gonna see Truth or Dare, Jordan? I'd like to, but it's Who probably knows. not in theaters anymore. <laughs> I heard that yeah, movie no, was, it was awesome. It was I heard it got great reviews, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Death Day Part 2 in quality level. Did Pretty you see Happy Death Day yet, Jordan? I haven't seen Happy Death Day yet. No. It's wanna, a fun, hilarious watch. Yeah, yeah. if you want to have some fun, man. Yeah, she walks through the quad naked in this really weird, awkward scene. Anyway, um, okay. 
Uh, and um, how about how about um, what was I gonna say? Um, any TV you're watching? Either of you guys uh, coming up? Oh, Westworld, obviously for uh, Kevin and I. How about you? Westworld. Um, well, I started Lost in Space, so. I'll oh yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about good. that more in the future. It's good though. Yeah. Cool. And uh, Jordan, anything you're gonna be watching? You gonna be watch Lost in Space? No, I mean mainly I'm just catching back up on uh, Arrowverse stuff. Right. We we that it's been uh, Legends is over, so I, heard, I saw somewhere say little... that Legends is like the best uh, the best Arrowverse show now, like hands down. I think it absolutely is. Wow, I, um, you were one of the first to say that. I remember actually in one of our episodes you started saying that. Uh, well, I mean it it helps that. Uh, Flash is just a mess this season. Wow, um, man. And then Arrow's uh, hit or miss. I, I mean, I'm not as down on it as other people, but it's definitely one of its worst seasons. Okay. Um, and, yeah, for me, um, I'm going to be watching a bunch more British stuff. Um, I'll probably wa- keep watching Deception. I, I, I definitely enjoy that. Um, and then Westworld, man. I'm just hoping that tonight's episode um, makes me more intrigued about the mysteries underlying Westworld and its uh, sister and brother theme parks all right on that note um where can they find us kevin uh you can find us on social media um and on our site thejoyofgeek.net uh you can find me on twitter at kwshafe and i post all my articles podcasts etc there um and rich and i are doing a panel next weekend uh for free comic book day so that'll be on the podcast soon enough in the future after we record all right Um, and uh, Jordan, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at jordanalsaka.tumblr.com for writing stuff, facebook.com slash jordanalsakawriter. Uh, Twitter is the best place, at indigomaster, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R, and you can read my webcomic, Welderkin, at welderkincomic.com. So, um, issue two just wrapped up, or is wrapping up, right? Uh, yeah, it should start in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, uh, you can find me at Rich Lepore and in all the aforementioned Joy of Geek and Joy of Gaming places. Um, awesome. Well, hey, on that note, I am Rich Lepore, and uh, you guys are... Kevin Schaefer. Jordan Alaseka. And we'll see you very soon. Take care.